It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Guys, there are some fascinating one-on-one matchups in this game on Sunday between Seattle and the Cleveland Browns. We're going to run through four of the matchups that I think are Four to particularly watch, and you guys let me know who you think has the edge in these one-on-one matchups. So I'm going to give it to you. You guys tell me which side you think is the advantage. Let's start with a Browns DB versus Seattle receiver. DK Metcalf versus Denzel Ward. If you're picking between a one-on-one matchup here, who are you giving the advantage to? That's Does anybody have Denzel? I think it's a th- it's a, it's I a mean, it's really a tie. It's I a just think the size difference here is Metcalf's so a little banged great. up, though. He is. I don't know how healthy he's going to be. I yeah. When I was doing this, I went to the fact that he's going to be completely healthy because how do you judge otherwise? You don't know. I just think as good as Denzel is, it's, it, this is the kind of guy that creates a big problem for him. I don't know, Because man. of the size mismatch. It's just I, But it's Jamar, Jamar Chase is a big receiver, too. <clears throat> And I don't think he's as big as, as Metcalf. Maybe not as big, but he's way more talented overall. And Metcalf's a freak. If, if Denzel Ward can play well with Jamar Chase, he should be able to play well against everybody. Now, he's been inconsistent at times in his career. He's been pretty consistent this year, it seems to me. What would they have to hold him to for Ward to say he won the matchup? Under 50 receiving yards? It's so hard for me yeah. to say because if he holds him to 42, but he scores on a 38-yarder to win the game, right? You know, like it's yeah. it's really hard. To, it's hard to put a number on it. But I'll tell you, that play Denzel made last week was elite. Yeah, very good. It, it, when when he threw the pick, I forget who the intended receiver was, and Zach Jackson and I were sitting next to each other, and Zach said, "I didn't see Denzel either. Like I can't believe." And then we saw the replay. It's like because he wasn't there. Yeah. Like, he was open when he made the throw, and Denzel closed on him. He wasn't even on him and, and saw well, the— Denzel took a step the wrong way. Yeah. And so, I don't know if he was doing it intentionally to bait the bait quarterback. Move. I thought it was a bait move. It was Or it was, it, what it showed was incredible recovery speed yeah. and a, makeup a, speed. A high percentage of interceptions are bad throws by the quarterbacks yes. and the guys in the right place at the right time. Yeah. This was a play where— he hawked it. It wasn't hey, a bad throw. It no, was just a great play. It was a great play. I like play. DK Metcalf, but listen, give me Denzel Ward. There, there is like let's let's not get it twisted. The, you know, there's a path to victory here. It's not like we playing. I mean, you got the same. I, I don't. Last time I checked, I don't think that the the roster got worse be, between the time we played the 49ers, Right? Don't turn the ball over. That's there the it path is. To victory. Yeah. If if, well, if you've lost it. Jerome Ford and maybe Jedrick Wills since then. Okay. Um, well, but you didn't so, have Batonio in that Some, game. Yes, you're correct. I'm looking at it like this, man. If that defense shows up like they did against the 49ers, I'm not worried about the Seahawks offense. They got some nice stuff. I love it. Yeah. But the 49ers are way more talented than the Seahawks. 
I'll give me Denzel Ward. He had a nice yeah. pick last week. I got him. I got, I got him shutting him down. I agree with you, G. I'm 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 gonna go by a hair with Denzel. By a hair, Ward. yeah. But I, I, like I think it. I think you're right too. Like if if the Browns play great defense in this game, like they did against the. The Niners, they got a good chance to win. Yeah. If they play defense like they did against Indy, they're yeah. going down. Yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah. All right. Well, it's a that? two-two split there. If I had to pick, I'd actually go. Den- I think Denzel's a better cornerback than DK's a better receiver by a smidge. So, also some uh, injury news: Jed Wills back at practice today. That's yeah. big. Good. Also, Jerome Ford back at practice today doing drills. Yeah, he's not going to play. Yeah, though. but I can't. I imagine don't think he, he plays. Play. But the fact he's already back and he was doing the. Uh, Tire drill, you know, high yeah. steps. Yeah. Not necessarily contact, but yeah. it's, good it's six pressure days on the removed, ankle. Five I mean, days removed from a high ankle sprain. So that hey, is it was a low grade high ankle yeah. sprain. He's aware. He's a, he's aware of what's behind him. A lot of people want to see. Yeah, he, can, he see can lose his job in a hurry if, if Pierre Strong plays well. <laughs> he listen, he listen, I, I do not want that. Let me get out here and flex his ankle a little bit. It ain't even hurting like that. All right, it's interesting. Jed Wills, though, who did not practice yesterday, is back today. That is so he's going to play. That's really good news. Next individual one-on-one matchup. Let's switch sides of the ball here. How about Amari Cooper versus the fifth overall pick and rookie sensation who Corbin Smith this week said was already the best player on the Seahawks defense, Yeah, Devin Witherspoon, the Wiley vet or the highly touted rookie? Which Witherspoon is, for those who care about such things, the number one graded corner on PFF. Yeah. They got crazy corners. They got Woolen. Woolen is really yeah. good. Yeah. nice. Witherspoon. Not a good recipe with a young quarterback who's turnover prone. But let me start this, man. Listen, don't get it twisted. You might be nice, but you're still 12 and a half years old, Witherspoon. I didn't see Amari Cooper make people fall the last two, three weeks. You can, he's, he's the route god. He is the dude that tap dances on everybody. He's not fast, but if you're going to tell me that a rookie is going to shut Amari Cooper down, one of the best route runners. Now, I got a lot of respect by, for Witherspoon, but rookies are rookies. He about to get this work. I'm going to go sl- – I'm, I'm with G again. I'm going slight edge for Cooper, but it's close because Witherspoon's really good. I would take Witherspoon. I would have taken Denzel. You said it was 2-2. Two, two. I'd take oh, Denzel. It wasn't 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, it was 3-1. Oh, it was 3-1? Den- oh, take yeah, he was leaning Denzel too. Yeah. My apologies. Uh, but on this one, I would take Witherspoon over. Yeah, I was re- this was really tough for me. Really tough for me. In the end, what it came down to was Amari's savvy veteran savvy. route running. Um might be a little too – I don't – then I went back to this. Well, hell, last week, Amari wasn't even – did he play? You know, I mean – Well, that wasn't his fault. No, I know it wasn't his fault. That's but why I, I'm not blaming the wide receivers for no, anything. No, but when you look at who's throwing the football – Yeah. Who's throwing the flag. That's uh, where Amari showed up. Yeah, you, you are kidding. But so for me, it, it, I, I'm going Amari Cooper only because of the veteran to rookie thing. But with this quarterback yeah. – and his inability to get him the ball last week, I don't know that we should well, necessarily be expecting him to have a big game this week. If you're asking who's more likely to have a better game this week, I'd actually say Witherspoon. Yeah, that's the question. Is that the question? Who has yeah, the edge in a not, one-on-one matchup? Not with the edge the who wins the matchup? matchup? That's not the same but, question But the quarterback me, but plays into the, quarterback, the receiver. Yes, he yeah. absolutely plays into I mean, the quarterback. We, we re-watched G, Mike, and I right before the show. I was going through. Can I set this up? Both? Yeah, go ahead. So... This morning, I, I watched the All-22 film twice each week. Right. And you watch it the first time and you see some stuff. You watch it the second time and you pick up some like See a lot more. A lot of nuances. And there was another play we could talk about later with P.J. Walker and, and something that happened to benefit him that he didn't do right. But whatever. And there was the play when, when <gasps> P.J. Walker did the interception. The arm punt down to the three-yard Yeah. Play. If you go back and watch the route Amari Cooper ran, it is one of the most beautiful – 
ballet-esque, make a defender fall. He had 50 yards of separation, essentially. And the ball was well, thrown by. Well, not 50 not yards. 50, but what are you talking about? 50 he yards. had 30 yards ahead of him and 10 yards on each side to the side. Yeah, this should have been an easy touchdown. It, yeah, it was been, a terrible yes. throw by P.J. Walker. Easy yeah. touchdown. When you see it from that behind angle where you can really see the space and you don't see it on TV. It's glaring just, when you look at it o- He's just always open is my point. So always, Amari's going to the back pile on wide open. And, and uh, Walker throws it to the middle of the field. So he's got to cut back. I wonder if that no was chance. just a miscommunication where he thought he was going to cut one way and he... I don't think so. I think it was just a terrible throw. God, how can you miss by that much? Yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, I mean, it that's was, not a terrible throw. That's just, what are you doing? Yeah. That's, that's, and, and that's where, in this game, if the, if the Browns want to win, I thought they did a good job of, of saying this last week. P.J. Walker has to hit a couple plays. He has to hit a couple plays. And he finally hit that play down the sideline to Elijah Moore, and it was just enough to get him where they need to go. In this game, P.J. Walker has to hit one or two throws to keep drives going, move the chains, or possibly get a touchdown uh, on the road for them to get a win. So, you know, that's a, that's the throw that they're going to have an opportunity to have next week yeah. or this week coming they, up Sunday. But it can't be predictable. Like, I'll go, I'll go back. You know, I'm not a big play caller complaining guy, as you know. But watching the game last night, I'll defend Baker a little bit because I don't think he played particularly well in this game. Oh, that last drive? No. Well, that last drive was ridiculous. Oh it took my forever. God, unbelievable. But even the whole – for most of the game, until the game for, – for most of the – First half for the entire first half, basically, they would they tried to get their run going and then they gave up on the run and they were actually running decently early with um, what's his name White uh, is it White? He, yeah. he had one James decent White. run, but he was getting stoned on. But a here's lot the of thing, runs. you know why? Because if you go back and look at their plays in the first half, they would go run, run, pass every oh, time. They were completely the predictable. The other thing, too, that was weird about that game is their starting field position. It seemed yeah, like yeah. they were starting at the two yard line all night. They did. Four, three times they started inside the five and four times inside the ten. Yeah, that's a tough ask. Yeah. All right, what's next? Who's next? Next up, we're going to the interior of the lines here. Joel Batonio, an all-pro guard for the Browns, and Jaron Reed, one of the more underrated defensive tackles in football. He leads the Seahawks with four sacks this season and has had a sack in each of the past two games. But is that enough to edge out Joel Batonio? I would take Batonio, but, you know, it's, a, it's obviously a step in the right direction. If Jed's practicing today you would have to assume he's probably going to play. But we'll go back to what we said earlier. If he doesn't, that puts a lot of extra strain on Joel. Joel, I, I think, has not quite been to the level that we've expected of him at times this year. I'm, like, trying to keep from hiccuping. But I would still take uh, – <laughs> I, I would take Joel in this uh, – yeah, I would take Joel. Browns were running from 160, 150 yards back-to-back weeks. Um, this is another game where I think they'll still be able to run the ball well. Um, they're going to need to run and stick to it. I'm going to go with Joe Batonio. See, this is, this is, this is the catch-22 with the Browns, right? Because they've had so much quarterback turmoil, people forget the rest of the roster is nice. <laughs> like, you start going out position for position, you're like, well, okay, well, I'll take him, and I'll take him, and, and I'll take the Browns on this one too. And you start to see the depth and just at all these other littered positions, how they got guys that can get it done. In this case, I, I'm going with Joe Batonio. I, I like Jaron Reed or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But, hey, let's go back. You know, this isn't a DJ Reader. This isn't, you know what I'm saying, this isn't some of the guys that the 49ers have in, in the middle. This is, you know, I, he's, a, he's a nice ball player. But give me Joe Batonio specifically in the run game. I'm actually going to go with, I agree with Mike. I think he's underrated. I think their whole D-line is underrated. Batonio's not played well this year. His, and in particular in the run game, he's not been good. <laughs> 
If, mm. it, it, you see it week in and week out. You, the grades back it up. His his rush uh, run blocking grades have not been very good. Uh, and and Reed's been really good. So I'm going to give a slight edge to Reed. Yeah, I'm with you. Reed scares me. I think this matchup scares me. If you give me Joel Batonio from any other year, then, but this yeah. year, I got Batonio and I don't even really have to think about it. He just hasn't been that guy. Nope. I don't know if this is the year he gets old. I don't know if he's got some nagging injuries we don't know about. Well, he had that he surgery. Just, yeah, you know, that's so. true. It just doesn't look he like the same guy great. to me. No. You know? yeah. I don't know. So just, It was close. Again, I think I wanted to compliment you. I think you yeah, did a really good close. job because they were all very, very close. There was None of these were slam dunks for me. I could have gone either more, way. Right, Mike? We do have one more. I appreciate that, Jay. Last up, JOK, who's been way better than any of us could have imagined Jim Schwartz's defense this season, taking that next step forward we had hoped and anticipated. And Kenneth Walker, who has quietly been one of the best running backs in football. He's been very good. Which I'm going to go with Kenneth edge? Walker. Um, this is the part of the game that scares me a little bit um, because if there's one thing that you can say um, is that, you know, the Browns got touched a little bit against the Ravens on the ground. Um, in, 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 you know, especially with the quarterback, uh, Lamar Jackson. You take a look at this game. Um, they got Kenneth Walker. Last game, I thought uh, Taylor and what's the name? And Taylor and Moss had a nice game, one-two punch, and I think Taylor really got his best game of the season. So this is a place where you come in and you say, okay, Seattle can run the football. Kenneth Walker is physical, and I take my chances with the with the with the uh, Browns on the ground rather than in the air because that leaves Miles Garrett uh, trying to get off blocks and not pass rushing. I, I think uh, Kenneth Walker definitely has it over JOK, especially because of the weight difference and the fact that he's just so physical to get on the ground. I think it's another good matchup for Mike. I think I agree with Jay. All four of these are really close. JOK's had a tremendous season. I mean, he's I've, by far, right, their most improved player this year. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that's even debatable. Yeah, I mean, I, I put Delpit up. Delpit's too. up there too. But we Delpit, thought Delpit least, had a level of play last year. Right, that we'd I mean, already late in the year he had started to improve. Okay, some. last year. Okay, was helped. awful. Yeah. But Dequel he's been was great for him to be released, especially against the run. But I, I think Kenneth Walker is one of the five best running backs in the league. He is a load in the in that running yeah, game. Th- this Pause. matchup really scares uh, me. Going for mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker, but again, I think it's close. Yeah, I, I, same thing. Going with Kenneth Walker. Um, not the ideal matchup you want for JOK. Um, I think he's big enough that he's going to give him problems on making tackles on initial contact. He, I think this is a guy that you need help to bring down. So there'll be some gang tackling. Well, and that's, I, yeah. Go to, ahead. To that point, that's why it's hard for me really to look at this as a one on one. Right. Yeah, I don't look at it because I don't think this is really on JOK to get him down. No, but I, when, I was, yeah. when I was weighing it in my mind, I said, okay, so what if there's 10? Open field mm. contacts between JOK, where he's the guy in front of him, and right. Kenneth Walker. I just have Walker winning more of those okay, than JOK. Yeah. They have to, yeah, Dalvin Tomlinson's the guy who's going to be responsible now, for it if, the most. And if those guys get arms on him and slow him down, then I like JOK. Yeah, well, I mean, Derrick Henry's the biggest back they faced, and he was mostly being stopped by the Browns' front. He yes. was, absolutely. Yeah. So if that continues, yeah. then, yeah, he's got a huge advantage because he's not coming at you at full speed. Right. You need you need to change the line of scrimmage and, and be on their side of the line of scrimmage so that he doesn't get a two, three-yard run downhill, and now he's in the secondary. They can stop him like they did Derrick Henry before he gets going. That's yeah. how you got to stop big backs. Who are you yeah. going with, Jason? Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker. A okay. little Kenneth Walker nugget for you guys before we get to my five stats. Is he a Michigan State know. guy? He was a Michigan I State guy. So. 
49% of his rushing yards this season, 49% have come on stretch plays beyond the outside tackle. So with an extra blocker, he does not run I wouldn't have up guessed the that. middle with, the near, with nearly as much efficiency as he does outside. What that equates to is he breaks a ton of tackles. 63% of his missed tackles yeah. have come outside. And so that's... when he gets on non-defensive linemen, yeah. very difficult to Oof. bring down. But 227 of his 400, uh, 222 of his 450 rushing yards a season have come on stretch plays outside of the hmm. most eligible tackle. That, that's interesting. And that also doesn't bode well for JOK. Linebackers and safeties got to do their job. Yes, they do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you doing a read here? We got a read, and it's time five for the piece? five stats that fit that weren't Kenneth Walker. Before we do that, we got to remind the good people that FanDuel is the number one sportsbook in America. It is unquestioned, undeniable. And it is our favorite sports book as well. Right now, brand new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is literally no better time to get in on the action than this exact minute. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com UCSS to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL and an official partner of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. And By the way, should, Mike, fan, we, we, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go I was going to say, FanDuel does look ahead lines, which is which yeah, I, I love too. this weekend. They, they are, Browns are a three-and-a-half-point dog this week, this week in Seattle. Looking ahead to next week, as of today, the Browns are a touchdown favorite. Wow. Actually, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Cardinals. Mm. Ooh, that's a big spread. I just wanted to quickly remind all of our viewers, if you have a winning ticket on FanDuel this weekend, we know there's going to be a lot of betting action between college football tomorrow, and then, of course, the NFL on Sunday. Uh, screenshot it, take a picture of it, send it to us. We would love to feature your winnings on FanDuel on our show, the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. So win and get your ticket mentioned on the air. All right, guys, well, here are the five things you need to know, five stats you need to know heading into this game against the Seahawks. And before I give you the first that I have a question for you guys. Where do you think the four-man pass rush unit for the Browns of Miles Garrett, Zadarius Smith, Ogbo, and Dalvin Tomlinson ranks among the league's best four-unit pass rush groups. It ranks in what, based on like, what? In terms, of, in terms of pressure rate, in yeah. terms of overall oh, pressure no, rate. Oh, you didn't say the stat. No, well, so I'm asking you first. Where do you think He wants us to rank them. The like, are they, are they second? Are do they 26? In pressure rate? Is that four-man pressure group, or that yeah. four-man pass rush group of Miles, Zadarius, Ogbo, and Tomlinson? Yeah. There are 86 qualified four-man pass rush units in the NFL with at least 15 snaps together against the I see what you're saying. So all the different combinations. Of all the combinations, that four, where do you think it ranks in the NFL in terms of overall pressure rate? Two. I would say very high. Top three to five. Two. I'll say 11. He's asking this because we're going to be surprised. Right. Bull Bull is actually damn near spot on. Yeah. They rank 12th in the NFL. He's not asking us this if they're top five. Right. Yeah. So I I, I went into this thinking – this is gonna. This is so dangerous. It seems like every time these four in particular rush together, yeah. to get to the quarterback, and they do at a now, very high rate. I mean, eleven's the, good. The at difference 80 thing something. is, it's not like it's eleven out of thirty-two. Yeah, eleven out of eighty-six is in the top fifteen percent. Well, it's twelve, but yes, it's twelve out of eighty-six. Twelve out of eighty-six. Their overall pressure rate, and this is what is crazy, Steve. You could take it. They're getting to the quarterback at a forty-six point four three percent pressure rate with that four-man pass rush group. God, who's who's number one in that? Yeah, you ready for this? Yeah. In Dallas, Micah Parsons, Lawrence, Armstrong, and Dante Fowler 
in 19 pass rush opportunities have a 90.1 pressure rate with that four-person unit. That now, is that, that, 30 points higher than everyone else. Yeah, but that's also a pretty small sample size. Well, it's 28 for I know. this Cleveland I mean, we, we have almost nine more yeah. with this foursome. But that's still, that's astounding. They're getting home that nine, Yeah, frequently. It's absurd. There, there but, could be some context missing. Maybe that's a, a group of four that only comes in on third and long situations. Yeah, well, you know what I mean? ideally, I'm, I mean, you're putting your best, you're, that's your when best you're putting four. your best it's, four out there. It's essentially but your what, NASCAR but, package versus other teams' NASCAR Right, but to Bull's point, what could, what, what might be different in that is, yeah. It depends on when in the game that happens, too. It could you be know, late in the game when you know they're When passing. the sample size yeah. is this small, it, yeah. there is, but still, 12 is, you well, know. Yeah, I think that's good. Well, that 86 is good, but my bottom line of seeing that is, I think this unit has been good. 46.6% pressure, we'll take that. It still has a chance to be even better. And against the Seattle offensive line that is playing without Potentially, they have the same situation as Jed Wills. They're one of their tackles has not practiced this week. He may oh, not really? Be, he may not be on the field on Sunday. Uh, Mike, let me. There's ask a chance you. to get a lot of pressures on Geno Smith. Let me ask this: um, So the sack rate was seven percent, just over seven yes. percent for ours. What was the sack rate for Dallas's? It was like seventeen percent. It wasn't actually that high. Yeah, there are some that have because it's fifteen or more snaps together. Some have played seventy snaps together. Some have played sixteen. Yeah, it's not the exact. You know, translation, when, but yeah. at the end of the day, that four-man group for the Browns is getting to the quarterback, or at least affecting their timing, half the, half the time. And that's pretty what you damn want. good. Yeah, that's pretty really good, good, especially without the extra rusher. Next okay. up. Good we, stat. We talked about Devin Witherspoon. Yeah. And how Bull mentioned he is the highest-graded cornerback in the NFL, according to PFF. Second straight year, by the way, PFF has had a rookie cornerback as the highest-graded. Sauce Gardner was next year. He's not just good. This dude's stupid good. His last three games against the Bengals after being called out by DK Metcalf, his own teammate, saying he's going to shut down Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow targeted Jamar Chase three times in that game, allowed one that catch is for three yards, and had two pass breakups. No, with, with, with Witherspoon. Witherspoon in coverage. Yes, yeah. with Witherspoon in yeah. coverage, yes. Okay. Yeah. Against Arizona, the entire game, any receiver, the Cardinals threw his way twice. They attempted 41 pass attempts. Wow. They threw his way twice. He gave up zero receptions. I'm against Carolina. over Amari. Against Carolina, they threw it at him 13 times. That was the Andy Dalton game when he threw 56 passes. They yeah. threw it 13 times. He allowed five receptions for 31 yards. 13 targets, five receptions. His seven combined interceptions and pass breakups this year, it's third in the NFL. This dude's really good already, and I cannot wait to see him versus Amari Cooper. That is must-see TV in my mind. It is going to be a good matchup. That might be the matchup of the game now that you think about it. Because we know that with Amar- without Amari Cooper, the Browns receivers are, have been pretty anemic. Yeah. And if they've got a shutdown <clears throat> corner, and it looks like that's exactly what they have here in Witherspoon, um, hell, some offensive coordinators just decide when corners are this good, okay, so we're not throwing to his quadrant. We're not throwing to yeah. his side of the field. Uh, we haven't seen a guy like that in a while right. in the league, but he seems to be trajectory going to that spot. That's crazy. I, I want to see how good he is when it's second and two. Ain't no corner good at second and two. You could get run. <laughs> you could get pass. You could get play action. You could get screen. You could get a lot. You could get draw. Listen, the Browns, hey, you know what's great? I love the fact that the Browns' offensive passing game is so hamstrung that I don't even have to worry about it. <laughs> I don't got to worry. I don't got to rack my mind about who getting yards or whatever. 
it's we they need to be running rudimentary plays and keeping this team on the field as long as possible with sustained drives. That's the that's the the way you win this game, and that's pretty much to me the only path to winning this game. It's time of possession, winning turnovers, and you got to punch. You got to get seven instead of threes. They really need a cl- a clean turnover free game. Yes, and they haven't had they one do. all year. This yes. has to be has to be clean. on the road in that environment. You have got to hold on to the ball and not turn it over. Where do the Browns rank in terms of turnovers? Not turnover margin, Mike, but just turnovers. I can tell you, oh, Steve, they, real quick, if we go to uh, 63, if you go to 63, we have yeah. those stats. And Steve will pull it up. He'll take it full so They've we can see. Very they have 14 giveaways on the season, which, according to ESPN, if you sort that by most turnovers in the NFL, that would put the Browns. Also, this is bad job at ESPN. They don't put numbers next to their rankings, so I have oh, to count. Terrible. So I apologize for counting on the air. But the most giveaways in the league, uh, well, it's easy. It's second, second most. That was easy to count. I think you can uh, click on the stat and then yeah. it re it, it sorts it, but like it, them. it's easy when they're 31st. Yeah, yeah. But if they're well, in the who's middle. Who's the only team that's had more turnovers? The Raiders with 15. So they're second worst in the league. And let's yeah. face it, we've had a couple of balls that. <laughs> well, I'm sure everybody. And everybody has. probably yeah, yeah. has, you but you can't be fast and loose with the ball. Like I this, mean, this game is going to be like like the two things that will kill you: turnover and holding penalties am- on big plays. It's amazing. Like you think about this, the Browns are four and two. They've gotten the worst quarterback play in the league, and they've the second most turnovers, and yet they're somehow four and two. It's a defense. It's a miracle. But it, it wasn't last week. Last week, the defense got no, what turnovers. No, but what, what was so impressive about last week is yeah. they knew they had to step up in other, in other areas because they were giving up so many points. And that yeah. last drive, man, I, I, when people say that's it. When yeah. people say it wasn't the defense, oh, no, it was the defense. They still got a defensive you score. You still got Miles Carey. Yeah. yeah. You still got. Right, but the defense didn't play great last week. Right. It wasn't. Yeah. They made no, big plays, but yeah. they didn't play great. Miles made one play that took three points off the board for them. And another play that put seven points on the board. That's a 10-point swing. I hear you. You still so, have 38 points to the Colts. Right. The, the, you know, you know, it's kind of like the bend but don't break. Like they, Well, that's not bend that don't break. No, here's what. <laughs> no, not, not that. Yeah. What I'm saying is they gave up a lot of points, but it wasn't enough to break them. They, the offense, surprisingly, stood up and did enough. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, how are they going to – the reason that this game is a is – a, bad matchup for me is because that was a friendly crowd that they were playing. Yeah. There were a lot of Browns fans in Indianapolis. Yeah. There's going to be nothing friendly about what happens in Seattle. No. And that's what scares me. It's going to be so hard for them to operate offensively that uh, yeah, I don't, with a backup quarterback yeah, and a really good defensive backfield for Seattle. Miles was actually worth two touchdowns. Yeah, he was. You're right. You're because, right. He added another touchdown well, in there. Well, no, he took the three from them, and they got three off the block. Mm-hmm. So that was the Yeah, but didn't swing. he have another – didn't he force two tur- turnovers? He did. He did. And the what one. happened on the other one? I don't remember. The one was they, in the end zone. So there's they, he took tough. three away, added three is six. The end zone is 13. The strip sack in the end zone Yes, ultimately they won it's the just, game I'm just replaying defense it. and the kicker. I'm just replaying it. But the defense it didn't play great. It's one, no. of the best, it's one of the best individual defensive yeah. performances. Miles is worth 13 points. By himself, he was worth 13 points. He's going to have to do that again. And then the kicker got, fifth, uh, what, 18, including extra points? So they got most. It was between yeah. the kicker and Miles yeah. Garrett. That was the, the offense yeah. <laughs> did just enough to win. Yeah. Speaking of the offense, and we talked about Jed Wills earlier. Well, there have been two unsung heroes on this offensive line the last couple weeks I want to give a shout-out to real quick. In the last three games, Ethan Pochich, the center, 
has had 92 pass blocking snaps. He's given up zero pressures and zero wow. sacks. Wow. Dewan Jones in those same times, man, three games, 123 pass blocking snaps, four pressures, just one sack. You combine those two together, that is 215 opportunities to allow a pressure and nor a sack. They, those two have combined to allow four pressures and one sack and 215. They have been That's the nuts. unsung heroes on the offensive line. They deserve a little bit of kudos. Shout out Bill Callahan for what too, they've done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and DeWan still has some work to do in the run game, but, you know, I talked all year, all summer about it was maturity issues, and, and that is what allowed him to – or what forced him to fall as far as he did. Hey, credit to him, man, yeah. for putting yeah. in the work and for coming as far as he has, as fast as he has. The pass blocking obviously is, is there. It's, it, he does it at a high level. He knows his assignments now. You know, we talked about how much Wyatt had to sort of babysit him early on. I don't notice that nearly as much during these games anymore. He's really come a long way. This Just project him out five years, guys, when none of this is coming at him at warp speed anymore, where yeah. he's familiar with all the blocking schemes, pass and run. Yeah. He gets more confidence, probably stronger. This this pick might end up being one of those picks, just like we talked about Puka Nakua. Like you, when you can hit on a guy late in the draft, Jay Emerson, it can yep. right. It can erase the fact that you yep. gave up three number ones, right? Because he's playing like a much higher draft pick right now, absolutely. And Emerson is a well. fourth round rookie. Yeah. So if when he you, still has to get better in the run blocking, and maybe that's his size. You know, I, I I don't know, but right. you would know. Is it is he's such a massive man, and it's such a different run blocking to pass blocking. Mm-hmm. Pass blocking, he's there. Yeah. Run blocking, he's got to get better. Yeah. Right. But by the way, in the in uh, the PFF grades, out of uh, let's see how many total guys out of seventy four eligible tackles, he's twenty first in pass blocking. It's crazy. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Really good. I mean. He's been excellent. You can't ask more than he's done as a rookie. Nope. Mm-hmm. He's a home that, run pick. That he did 100% Christmas. of what you could ask for and then about 10,000% on top. <laughs> All right, next up, we keep talking about the Seattle crowd, and there's a good reason. The Lumen Field advantage, the Quest Field as it used to be, the 12th man is legit. This stadium, which has had a bunch of names, currently holds two world records, the loudest outdoor stadium at two different individual events. It Does it really? 137.6 decibels which according to Wikipedia, and I'm not an ear doctor or whatever, is like someone shooting a gun in your ear. It's the same sound at that. So this is a very loud stadium. In week three against Carolina, with Andy Dalton at quarterback, it's not a rookie, with Andy Dalton. Ooh, Carolina why would you blame eight, Andy Dalton? It's the offensive line's fault. Well, I'm just saying, saying it's not a rookie veteran. quarterback. They had eight false starts. That's the most false starts caused in any stadium wow. since 2011 with the Bears. The last time the Browns won in Seattle was 1989. Do you know who the quarterback was? Bernie Kosar. Who's coming up in our 1230. And by the way, you know who was born in 1989? Taylor Swift. (laughs) And Bernie and Taylor were hanging out. Her new album is being re-released. Anybody know the title of it? 1989. Good job. I just saw that on... Social media this morning. Good job. So Talking point being, it's going to be a crazy crowd, and it's going to be a impediment, not impediment, imperative for P.J. Walker and Kevin Stefanski to be on the same page. God, imagine that, guys, that offense. a gun going off in your ear is the same decibel Right level? next to your ear, yeah. I mean, this that's is... That's according to Wikipedia. That, that is a Wikipedia stat. So <coughs> I'm right. giving you all my, site, my uh, sources, my cited sources. I'm glad you did, because... I, I wonder where, like, they take the reading from, because it can't be as loud on the field as it is in the crowd. I don't know. Maybe oh. there's multiple meters and they oh. average it. When you like, listen, you go to some of these college states, college stadiums. It's, go to yeah, a it's loud on the field. Boy. You, can't, like you, can't, A&M. you can't hear nothing. And yeah. A and M was one of the loudest that I've ever heard. And I'm, I'm, you know, I used to work on the sideline shooting the game. I know. Well, you could hear 
Should wear earplugs. You, you wear earplugs. We do. Yeah. yeah, no, they give we them do. out. Yeah. I th- they used to give them out. I don't know if they still do. And they shoot the cannon on the field, and that was the worst when yeah. A&M would score. Well, it but scares the hell out of you. Earplugs were a necessity if you're shooting on the field. Yeah, and you, yeah. And you, LSU was the same way. Yeah, LSU uh, at the, night is different. The yeah, swamp, we've some of those, the, the swamp, swamp was like that. Crazy. You know what's loud? Rocky Top was awful. By the way, I had to leave. I was taking my son, and I left. We went a couple of years ago. He was young. We went to see monster trucks at the queue. Oh, yeah. Those yeah. things so loud. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, and, you know, Mikey, the crazy thing about this game. I didn't have you, you as a monster it, truck guy, by the way. Not at all, but yeah. he was interested in going. So, I'm going to everything. When you look at the, the tackles that you have, that's the biggest thing is, is when you're trying to play a conservative game, you're trying to stay above the sticks. The things that kill you are. The the play came in late. They got to get the plays in quicker. You can't wait to three, four, two, one. And make, no, no, right. no. Substitutions. You can't have holding. Like if you got holding penalties or false start penalties, that's your second and five. You're yep. And you're you're done. You're cooked if you get one penalty. So a lot of the crowd noise causes these penalties, and it's it's just difficult to to really play a game where you got a quarterback who needs to stay above the sticks. That's going to be a big part of this game. And that, that fan base is smart, and they know it's a rookie quarterback, and they know that they need to bring extra noise. Not a because, rookie qu- quarterback. Well, an inexperienced quarterback. Yeah. To me, yeah. he's yeah. a rookie quarterback. All right, last Sorry. stat here, guys. And, G, you just talked about the tackles. This is interesting. We talk about Seattle having a really good pass rush, and they sacked the Giants yeah. quarterbacks 11 times in that game. Right now, they rank second in the NFL in sacks per game with 3.8. Now, I know you can't take a game out of the equation, but just – for comparison's sake, I wanted to know what that number would be like if you took the 11 sacks out against the Giants, and it drops down to 2.4 sacks per game, which is 19th in the NFL. That number 19 is way more indicative of the pressures, the quarterback hits, and the quarterback knockdowns Seattle gets. Throughout the entire NFL, they are 21st in the league in QB hurry rate and 16th in overall pressure rate despite ranking second in total sacks sacks per game because of that Giants game. So it is a yeah. good pass rush, and I totally but understand Mike, you can't take one can't game take out of the If you took every team's but, best game out, then where are the rankings? I know I, that I their totally, best game was far superior I than totally anybody else. I totally get else's. that. I'm just saying if you yeah. take the one, because they had 0, 2, 3, 4, 2, and 11. Yeah, 11 is so, so outrageous. One is yeah. a little oh, it's, out it's, of the it's equation. So cut it, I think a more thing, better thing would be to like cut it in half or something like that. You know, where would they rank? Well, I could do that right now. So if that cuts in half, that yeah. goes 11 to... Go 5 and a half. So they would average 2.7, which would be 14th in the NFL. So middle of the pack, which lines up with their pressure rate, their QB knockdown rate, and their QB hit rate. So essentially what I'm saying is they are a good pass rush. They do generate pressure. They do not generate pressure at the rate that the second team sacks per game would indicate. Is the pressure rate that you have there including the Giants game? It is, yes. Okay. You watched the Giants game. I watched it. Most people did. It was to the point where you just knew before the play started it was going to be a sack. Well, what's funny is the Giants O-line's played better since then. They have. With yeah. Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, were, were they, wasn't were, that were the last Daniel Jones game? No, Jones played one more. But. Who was oh. the left tackle for the Giants? Uh, well, he's not playing anymore. No, I know. He, but he was. Yeah, in I've Seattle. erased his name from my memory. <laughs> You're smart to do so because it, they were showing the isolations of his one-on-one on all of the sacks. And I think his family probably had to turn the channel. <laughs> That's how bad it was. It was so embarrassingly bad. There was a Steelers offensive lineman that graded out this year at Dan 3. Moore, 4. right? Yeah, 
I, I can't imagine what was that guy's PFF I'll grade that right. week. I don't know. I'll look it up right now. I mean, he gave up one after another. It reminded me of the Steelers and James Hudson from a couple of years yeah. ago when they just were giving him no chip yeah. help. Yeah. He was out there on an island by himself, and they just kept running the same thing. That's what the, the, the Giants were doing against the Seahawks. They, the Browns have to run play action. And I'm going to tell you, like all year, you go back and watch these all-22s, the Browns have one of the worst times in the world passing off like just regular stunts. So you, somebody, will, two guys will follow one guy and the other guy comes loose. They don't communicate. One guy takes a guy you thought you get, your man had him. He comes loose. And PJ Walker struggles consistently when they, they, they do the mug technique. The mug technique is just basically everybody's at the line of scrimmage before the, uh, before the snap and at the snap, somebody, some they guys drop come out. and drop out. Yep. So he's going to have to diagnose that. And they're going to have pressures where they're moving around and stunting with the defensive linemen. And they're going to see that a lot. And they're going to see they're gonna see that every third down. And I, I think in this game, Kevin Stefanski can't be going can't be going five wide. I, he just can't do it. I, they, they don't have the tackles to keep up with that pressure. It's going to be hard to hear silent snap counts and different things like that. And P.J. Walker doesn't diagnose the plays quick enough to understand, okay, the pressure's coming from here, I'm going to go right where he left. He, he's just not able to right. do that at this point. So they got to find some ways to be able to throw the football and still protect a little bit. Yeah, it could be tough. We're going to read some Super Chats here, and today's <clears throat> Super Chats are brought to us by Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. Five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use, giving you peace of mind. So you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have that medication in hand. And it's simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation, a licensed pharmacy medication delivery, and ongoing consultation and care. So don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using promo code LOCKEDON at jacemedical.com. That is J-A-S-E medical.com. Real quick, we only got three Super Chats, and then we're going to send everybody off to the WKYC note on a high note. 30 seconds on why the Browns are going to beat the Seahawks this week. But first, M. Vine says, Haslam has a responsibility in this situation. Dontavius Winston said, why did the Browns give up on DTR so fast? He was put in an impossible situation against arguably the best team in the NFL. DTR should be starting. He's 100% better than P.J. Uh, Rakisan1187 says, put Denzel on Lockett, MJ on DK. I'm assuming they're going to switch up matchups. They, they don't really have will. Denzel follow anybody. Yeah. And Hyperfrosty, send us your email. We're going to send you our, uh, our finals. Guys, we have three minutes for a little sunshine and rainbow. So 30 seconds each. Let's go around the horn. Why should the Browns and their fans feel good about this game on Sunday? Well, you should feel good because the Browns are 4-2. and two. And even if you lose, you're still 4-3. and three, And you got Arizona next week. And I think even with P.J. Walker or DTR or whoever, they'll beat Arizona at home. So I'm very confident that worst case scenario, the Browns are going to be 5-3. and three. I'm hopeful they're going to make a move at quarterback. Uh, in terms of this game specifically, they're only, listen, they're only a three-and-a-half-point dog. It's a tough place to play on the road. I'm not going to lie. I'm leaning towards the Seahawks winning this game. But the Browns could definitely win this game. It's con- it's close enough to a toss-up. I mean, you get three points for home field, right? So uh, Vegas thinks these are even teams. FanDuel thinks these are even teams. The, if the Browns can get back to the defense we've seen for most of the year, locking down that running game, just being totally disruptive, then then they'll have a chance to win this game. That's it. Don't turn the ball over. Yeah, it's an NFC game, so the importance diminishes a little bit. It's not that big of a deal. If you lose this, it won't kill you in the AFC in terms of tiebreakers and all that. And more importantly, this is the team that's starting to play with a little bit of a swagger. 
And they've won the last two weeks, even though they haven't played at their best. But there's a confidence in there that in the past it was always they're going to find a way to lose the game. Well, the players are starting to believe they're going to find a way to win the game. And, yeah, they got yeah. bailed out a little bit by the officials. But, you know, I was talking to the guys in the locker room after the game and felt like we just beat San Francisco. Why can't we go to Seattle and, be, and, right. and win at Seattle? So, I, do I, personally, do I think they're going to win? No, I don't. But I don't think it's going to be a blowout. And certainly there's still reasons for optimism. Well, listen, just go look at uh, what Jim Shorts did after the Ravens game. Ravens game didn't do too much. Uh, they looked vulnerable on the run and vulnerable, vulnerable on the ground. But guess what they did? They corrected it. They got to the San Francisco 49ers, and they played one of the best defensive games this year in the NFL. And they had to know that they could play up to that level and have that same type of, uh, of, of, of turnover process and same type of energy on defense. They could beat Seattle at Seattle, and I think the Browns have a good chance. It's not, not a blowout. They got a chance to win this game. All right, for me, it's defense, and that's pretty much it. You know, I think when you've got this kind of a defense that played as well as they did against San Francisco – they're going to have to find a way to do that again. Seattle's not as good as San Francisco. I understand that this one's on the road in a real difficult environment, but like Bull said, not that you ever look at it going into the game as house money, but they're 4-2. and two. Even if they lose this one, you've got Arizona upcoming. We're going over to Channel 3. That's where we'll give our pre-written headlines and our predictions for Sunday's game against Seattle. We'll see you there. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Jay Crawford. Adam the Bull. Garrett Bush. Tyvis Powell. Jason Lloyd. Plus, ba-da-da-da-da, you're loving him. Mikey McNuggets. And so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show starts now. Booyah! Here we are. Friday! Welcome to the ultimate Cleveland sports show. Thank you so much for spending time with us. You get 90 minutes on YouTube today, 30 minutes on WKYC. How's everybody feeling on this Friday? Well, you know, just, you know, live and well in a four and two weekend. Um, Looking spiff, bro. Try, yeah, listen, I, you know, I, this, this is a, this, this is a, a consultant, G. Bush. I come in and tell you why your construction company is losing money. Thousand dollars an hour. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> just for you guys coffee. are overspending on two by fours. Yeah, yeah, I can guys, tell you that right people now. get paid to do something like that. Yes. Oh. These consultants. What a, what a, what is that's what I'm doing that next? Is. The that's consulting what, world when I get fired, is I'm gonna be where a it's at. Yep. That's what it yeah. really is. Where it's at? What yep. a racket! Yeah, I mean that's Bull, one big con. Well, here's much. the thing. So here's how you ask yourself how you can dip in on this. Yeah. What do you know more than anything in the world? Television shows. 
I was going to say radio. Foodie, food. I, I was going to say radio. You could be, you could be a, radio a sports radio consultant. I should consultant. be a sports radio consultant. All you got to do, it. Bull, is make a website and start an LLC. The You're reality done. is that I would say roughly 90% of radio program directors Don't know what are doing. complete buffoons. Yes. And they've money. never worked in radio, so they've never worked in, on the air. Right. So they don't know what the hell they're doing. They don't know how to spot talent. They're idiots. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I can Start do a company, do Let's it do next it. week, and Let's ride into the sunset. There it is. Um, we are – this is a 4 o'clock game, right? Because it's West it Coast. It is, yep. So, I hate 4 o'clock well, I do, too. I don't love them. That means we're 53 hours from kickoff. Um, it just makes it longer for it to get here. A lot to talk about today on today's show. A lot to talk about. Uh, the quarterback situation continues to be a hot talker. What are they going to do? Are they going to do anything? Also, I noticed yesterday Derrick Henry's getting a lot of traction. Now, we mentioned him on the show here because the Titans seem to be in sell mode. Yeah. It seems like everybody in the league is interested in this guy. That scares me. It's going to ratchet the price up. I also saw the Ravens are said to be interested in him. Yeah, I don't like I'd that. I'd be smart like, for them. It'd be brilliant I for them. I not like that. Uh, now, they could be doing two things here. They could be just saying, well, we know Cleveland needs a running back, and they're still super hot over Cleveland for sort of resetting the quarterback market with the Deshaun Watson contract. They might just be floating rumors out there just to make Cleveland have to pay more than they think they would otherwise have to pay to get him. You know, I don't know. I've already heard Dal- Dalvin Cook too says wants the, out. The Jets want. He hasn't done anything. No, so he hasn't. But he's gone here. to the Jets already and said, "I'd like, I'd like yeah. to be moved." Yeah. Now, look, he would have been far more effective if Aaron Rodgers was playing because they would be two dimensional. Well, but, no, they are two dimensional. Brees Hall's been excellent. Yeah, well, Brees Hall's taking all the carries. Right. But I, I think that if you had a quarterback that could throw the football, you know what that does. It opens yeah, up yeah, the yeah. running game. could be more room for him to eat. But I don't know. Would you guys be interested in him? Sure. I've sure. had a minimal at a nothing price. Yeah, I mean, very he hasn't minimal. done anything this sure. year. Sure. Yeah. I wouldn't mind. Yeah. Anything could be an upgrade over what they have right now, frankly. I know you say Hunt's got three wheels. He's a tricycle out there. I, and I, everyone gets so mad at me when I say that. It's like – he, he has a useful role, yeah. right? Yeah. But I, I think everyone was so excited, like, Kareem's back. I'm like, guys, there's a lot of tread on those tires. Like, yeah. he's averaging yeah. three yards a carry. All right, but there's a space between he's what he was and he's useless, right? Yeah. yeah. I didn't yeah. Was yeah. Somewhere in the middle is yeah, where yeah, he yeah, is. Yeah. You yeah. can get real far on a tricycle. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you remember the big wheels? Can he be a big wheel? Yeah, yeah. a big wheel. Okay, a big like, wheel with hey, a cool brake. Those goal, the, the goal line package and stuff like that, like, yeah, yeah, you want the ball in Korea? He, you can argue he's picked up the most important yard this season. Yeah, that's true. Because the difference between four and two and three and three huge. feels like huge. a huge chasm. Okay, um, a lot to get to. Uh, but first, got to say our first hello and good morning of the day to Mikey McNuggets. What's up, guys? Busy show. We're going to jump right into things after we remind the good people of the world that FanDuel is unquestionably, undoubted, the number one sportsbook in America. Right now, brand new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a single $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is literally no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much, much more. So visit FanDuel.com UCSS to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL, an official partner of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. And yesterday, we had Jordan Kessler submit a winning ticket of a nice little three-part parlay Thursday Night Football. He had the Buffalo money line under 42.5 total points and the Tampa Bay spread. He hit it, and he turned $19.5 into $111. Boy. Essentially 5-1 to one odds. So shout-out to Jordan nice. Kessler for winning. You could be 
the next winner if you join FanDuel as well. So with that, Jay, let's talk a little quarterback action. Yeah. Brissett, no calls, and Deshaun, will he be Deshaun again this year? Let's go to Jason for the Brissett, no yeah. calls, because we really haven't talked about that on the show. Yesterday, we talked about the fact that they we thought that they would be calling. What do you have on that? I talked to Diana Rossini, works with us at The Athletic, asked Diana if she would reach out to Washington. Very and, plugged in in Washington, by the way, she is. And she said, I already have, and Browns haven't called. Yeah. So that tells me Brissett's not happening. And I, I wrote that the other day. If you're going to make the Jacoby move, you make it now. Like, sure. you call him Sunday night, Monday. You get him here Tuesday, pass a physical, get on the practice field Wednesday. He plays Sunday. That's the, that's the beauty of Jacoby. That's one of the big pluses of him. He's a plug-and-play guy. You trade for him Monday, he can play on Sunday. But the fact that they haven't called yet tells me they're not going to. And yeah. they're, they're going to roll with what they've got. Now, they could always, you know, see more of P.J. Walker on Sunday that they've already seen. Yeah. And come to the conclusion that, yeah, this probably isn't going to be a long-term bridge. But they should know that already. I, there's you know, there's that's nothing that should happen on that field Sunday that should sway you one way or the other. You know it. Now, the hope is, and I mentioned this before we started on the show, you know, PJ's had, I think, four practices prior to this week. He had the full week of, of San Francisco, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And he had Wednesday last week before Deshaun came back Thursday, Friday. So he's had four practices, essentially. Right. And now with a full week this week, you know, maybe he could be incrementally better. But you know what he is. There, there's, there should be nothing that happens on that field Sunday that says, oh, my God, yeah, can the, you believe that? we got to get somebody else The in couple here. of practices he had yeah. this week isn't yeah. going to turn God. him into this, you know, all of a sudden perfect answer. Right. It's obviously a small sample size this season, and in his career he hasn't played a ton. But he's been the worst quarterback in the NFL this year. Not amongst the worst. He's been the worst quarterback in the league. So incrementally better is not good enough. Agree. And if the Browns don't do anything to address this position, which so far they have done absolutely nothing, obviously, but sit on their hands, it's a disgrace. I have defended Kevin Stefanski, and to some degree I've defended Andrew Berry. If they sit on their hands and have to go with P.J. This idea that, well, we're going we're gonna to get Deshaun back here. We're gonna get, you have to... It, he ha they have to do business as if Deshaun Watson's not going to play the rest of the year. And if he does, fine. If he can, great. But you have to do business right now as if he's not going to play. Because you sat him for a month and he looked completely useless when he went on the field. So what's another couple of weeks going to do? Well, it's a four to six week injury. And he said yesterday that's just a framework. That doesn't mean that's necessarily the case. The only way that this makes sense to me is if you believe he's coming back for Baltimore. And, if, and then because you're four and two, you have two NFC opponents between now and then. If you feel like, hey, you know, if we go one and one on these, whatever, we can beat Arizona at home with P.J. Walker and we get him back for Baltimore. I just don't know how you can count on that. What have you seen yeah, that is, makes you think and, you can count Jay, on that and that he can survive if he does come back for Baltimore? What assurance do you have that he's going to be able to play the rest of the year? To that point, if you listen closely to what Deshaun's saying not giving any indication no. of when he'll be back. No, none. In fact, here's what we know for sure he has said this year. I don't think I'll be 100% at any point this year. Right. Can we play the clip from Bernie yesterday? This is Bernie Kozar, who had the exact same injury, talking about the likelihood Deshaun Watson returns to 100% this year. Let's play it. It's a micro tear. It's a micro tear. It's not getting better. So Deshaun's problem is whether he even waits three or four weeks, Jay, when he comes back, they're going to jam him into the ground and it'll probably still become a rotator cuff surgery that is a full rotator in December and January that would inhibit him being ready in August of next year. So 
I don't it's not about his pain. It's he, and it's not about him not wanting to play. You could see he wanted to play. I could see actually me and him talking to coaches into him, saying, "Hey, I'm capable of playing. I can make the plays." But flat out, when P.J. Walker in the fourth quarter had to hit that fade on second and ten and mm-hmm. drop it over the corner ahead before the safety killed him, P.J. Walker's 100% arm was barely strong enough to make that throw that helped the Browns win True. the game. Yeah. When Deshaun was rolling left, his, it wasn't because he wasn't tough. It wasn't because um, he was turning it down. His shoulder involuntary switched and turned it down and didn't allow him to execute the the um, the throw. That and is the thing that you talk full. about that involuntary shutdown. Yeah. It's shut the it muscle down. knows that yeah. if it's, you exert, you're going to have extreme pain. Right. So and you can't get no it. Chance. And it's shut down. So he has no chance. No that's chance it. for him to be exactly 100 this year. That's out the window. Correct. Right. I mean, that's, and that's it. if it's a again. I haven't seen the, the the MRI, but if it is a micro tear, it's not guaranteed that that heals in six to eight weeks kind of where we've been operating all along. You know, when we when we reached out to the surgeons that we reached out to, they said that this is one of those deals that it, it's there's a better chance that you completely tear it if you keep using it. And the definition that we looked up from the AMA and the surgical board that they used said that, you know, this is something that it's almost like it's got to be a complete shutdown for that length of time, and he can't do that midseason. Yeah, I, you know, I, I did a blog about three, four weeks ago. I said, listen, if you're expecting to see the Deshaun Watson that you wanted to see in 2023, it's not going to be happening this year. Um, you, there's too many hits that quarterbacks take on a daily or weekly basis mm-hmm. that he's not going to be able to take. He, he, that one, he didn't even get driven into the ground. He kind of got pushed, and he landed, he put his arm down, and kind of hurt his, uh, his shoulder uh, more. But for, for me... I look at this as a, a body of work for the front office and the coaching staff. It's just not about what you do on the field and how you call plays. It's about what you do with your roster management. The roster management was flawed. Uh, even back back when they were Baker in 2021, when they went through this thing every single week, is Baker hurt? Was he not hurt? You know what happened with that. You go back to next year, you got you got the Deshaun Watson out for the 11 games. But, but you still had people saying, hey, are you going to upgrade a deep tackle? Are you going to give us some receivers? They did nothing. We talked about it. Linebackers, receivers, and defensive linemen, they did nothing on that year. And we talked about it, and we coined the gentleman's punt that year. We come back this year, they did upgrade the defensive line. They did try to do some things at wide receiver. But you sit here at 4-2. and two, You're in a position where you could go 5-2 and two and possibly even have a game set up against the Cardinals where you can be 6-2 in the driver's seat, so to speak. But you look like you don't have any intentions on upgrading for P.J. Walker. Your running backs are dinged up and, and, and hurt. We haven't heard anything on the front as far as uh, running backs are concerned. And, and most people still think Mary Kay Gavin says, hey, we need a receiver. So now you can't fix every position in the season. But but you Gee. can pick one. Well, you can pick one. But, like, <laughs> it's unfair to bring up all the – like, you can't fix everything in the well, middle no, of the season. But, 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 but have by injuries. But we, quarterback, you yeah. might fix the wide receiver problem. But, but we, haven't had, we haven't heard rumblings about any of it. Well, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But if they don't do it, if they don't do anything to address the team needs – yeah, that's a bit. I, I got a big problem. Back to Bernie's with point. What, how confident are you guys, if you had to put a percentage on it, that we'll see the hundred percent Deshaun Watson at some point this year? Zero. 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 Yeah, I'm the same. I'm exactly yeah. the same spot. Yeah. And because of that, I, I don't know that. I imagine they're assessing the same thing inside the building 
and they've got much more information than we have. Of course. Right. They might have doctors telling them, saying, look, is it a micro tear? Yeah. It's not extreme. Give them three to four weeks of complete inactivity. No throwing the football. And I think he got 100%. Deshaun Watson. Maybe that's the case, and we just don't have that information. But they already it, did that. It didn't work. No, I'm talking about from, from Sunday's game. You're right. They tried yeah. that, and it didn't work. I think they were fooled by the notion that he said he was ready to go. Bernie's point on the rollout interception is so dead on. You guys have all had some kind of an injury before, and you know that you have a limit that you can reach to before the pain really kicks in. That pain is the message to the brain, Something's stop wrong. doing what you're doing. Right. You're going to make this worse. And Bernie's felt that pain. He knows it. We've all felt it. You don't even think about it. I love that Bernie said it's an involuntary response. The muscle saying, no, 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 we can't go where you want to go right now, so we're not going to. Yeah. And if you just take a little bit of sauce, as Bernie calls it, off the ball, those completions become interceptions. Yes. I, I am for putting him on IR, doing it today, so the clock starts for the Seattle game, and you get him back. Guys, even if you go one and three, look, they're four and two. They should be able to manage going one and three. You're still five and five with seven to go. It's irrelevant anyway. He can't play. Well, we don't know. No, no, I'm operating under the assumption that the doctors could say, shut him down for four weeks, and by shut him down, I mean shut him down. No, but what I'm saying is whether – debating whether shutting him down and what their record's going to be is irrelevant because the idea that he can play at any kind of a winning level in the next four weeks is ridiculous. Right. As, well, and what, what's what going to happen if they don't put him on IR? You're right, they should put him on IR. What's going to happen is he's going to convince them to play again because he's a player. He right, that's why I like the IR option. That takes that off but the table. I just don't think they're going to do it. Obviously, they think it, they feel he could be back within the four weeks, or they would. <laughs> but uh, you know, well, we, they thought that once, and they were dead wrong. Well, and uh, like we, everyone wants to keep blaming Kevin and Andrew for this. It goes a little higher than that, guys. Like there's someone else writing the checks who oh, wants to see me. him out there too. Trust, trust me, he's not out of our bullseye. So I just everyone says I can't believe Kevin keeps running him out there. I can't keep Kevin. I can't believe Andrew wants Wait to play second. him. Are you get? Do you have some sort of information? No, no that, not this time. But I know with Baker, it was all ownership. <laughs> sure. like, ownership was one pushing him out there. And Wait again, so you're saying Jimmy made Stefanski play Baker? I'm saying ownership. Baker wanted to play. I'm saying ownership wanted to see Baker on the field because they had to make a decision on whether or not to pay him. Right. Like, and I've said that a hundred times. Yeah. Like, they had to decide what they were going to do with the contract. Are we going to pay this guy or not? And he got hurt the second game of the season. So based on the information they had up until that point, they weren't going to pay him. They wanted to see another year out of him. That's part of the reason why that's, he kept playing. That's what dumb owners do. But now, <laughs> now, in my opinion, you have to protect the asset because you have him under control. Yeah, that's, You're there's paying a, there's him all a key that difference. I, I, so there's two ways to look at this. I've got all this money invested in him. I want him out there. Or... I've got all this money invested in him. We have to protect the asset, Long shut term. him down. Yeah. And it seems to be they're doing run him out there more than protect the asset at think, this point. I think a lot of people are conflating two, two different things. One is if he goes out there, is he too hurt? Is the pain too great that he can't play? And the other one is even if he doesn't feel it's hurt, he still can't effectively throw the football. Mm-hmm. So if you can't effectively throw the football, it doesn't matter if you sit him a whole year. Like if he comes back and it doesn't hurt and he can't complete five to ten yard passes, that, that does you no good. He does neither one of you. It's good. really yeah. a worst case from the sense of 
if it was a Nick Chubb injury, if he blew out his knee, he had to have surgery, you know he's done for the year. Out of sight, out of mind. And now, okay, what do we do going forward? We know yeah. Deshaun's not an option. Right. There is so much ambiguity with this, and there's so much of they don't know how to act. It's really it puts them in a really difficult spot let me, let me because you, this, you don't want to you don't want to put yeah. him on our IR if he can be back for that fourth game. I wonder know? if the doctors actually think there's an ambiguity here, or if this is just football people turning it into. I that. mean, if the, if the doctor said or Jimmy him, Haslam turning it into that, I, I I have to believe if the doctor said shut him down, put him on IR, they would. Yeah, and, and the reason that I'm just a little concerned about the doctor side of it is uh, originally he was cleared to play in the right. game, at, you know, the Baltimore game after Tennessee. That's somewhat troubling to me, particularly now that this injury has... That part of it doesn't progr- make any sense. It makes no sense at all to me, but we do know that he was cleared. He was told by team doctors, you're good to go. Yeah. I wanna, before we move on from this topic, I want to question all of you guys, and Jay, I'll start with you. Everything has a clock to it. Mm-hmm. There's a window. Mm-hmm. And we saw what the Rams did with their trade, and they went all in, and they 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 got the Super Bowl. Yep. So now fans just have to understand that there's going to be a period of uncompetitive, not competitive well, football. It actually is not true. No, they're the doing Rams very are well. Good. You know how you you know how you can dig yourself out of that mistake. Find uh, Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua in the f- fifth round. And that's why I never worry round. about the cap because smart teams with smart GMs. Can find players to, to make up for the guys. We don't have go. that track record here. We don't. So we can't lean on that. But yeah. my question to you, Jay, as they're looking at, because the, the ownership and even general manager and, and head coach to a certain extent have to look at the, the, the broader picture moving out. What is the window of opportunity to really be a Super Bowl contender? Is that window still on the upside or has it hit its peak? and is now beginning to close because that's what it does. It opens, right. it closes. Right. It opens, it closes. So if they think that it's at its peak or it's on its way down, you can understand the urgency to do it this year right. because you almost no. can't push it off all the way to next year if you think that because of the cap and because of the lack of But if he traffic, can't play, he can't play. I know, but I'm, I'm asking Jay, do you think that that is playing into the equations here and they're feeling like, it's urgent. It's got to be this year because the window is at its peak now. No, I don't think they feel that way because that's why they're protecting this $34 million that they have to roll over to next year. Where if, if you felt like this is it, then you just exhaust the $34 million now and then, you know, whatever happens next year happens. And I think they're trying to be proactive and roll some of this over. But there are going to be – you know, I, I'll go back to what Burrow said, what Joe Burrow said. If I'm on the team, our window's open. Right. And you have to feel that way if you have a franchise quarterback. Now, obviously, Deshaun hasn't really demonstrated that since no. he's been here. But you, you would like to say, theoretically, the window's three more years because Deshaun's under control for three more years. But I don't know and realistically. And if he does at some point play back at the level right. we hope he does, then you have it will be open well, those Does years. it change your – because you've been pretty optimistic that he is going to return in. I'm not as confident right now. Houston, Deshaun. This is the least confident I've been. Okay. Yes. G? Um, my, my confidence is taking a hit, um, be, because of everything going into it. Like, you know, I was talking to, to Mikey the other day, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, there's a lot of things that go into, um, being who you are. And I think a lot of people in our fan base, um, because we've taken L so much, we, we're di- dismissive about the, the, the actual life things that go on in a player's life. 
to a point where they may ne never play the way they played before. Right. If, if you think about it, I mean, when you go through all these changes, he, he got here. You got to realize we didn't. That Browns didn't draft him. So you usually when you draft somebody, there's some there's a cachet that comes with it because we took you. We you were one of our own. But really. It, Gee, if you think about what they gave up to get him, it was way more than a draft pick. But they're here, way more into this guy than just one draft pick. But but here's the thing: that's the that's the organization. We talk about the fan base, right? The fan. So when you when the well, fan, you win those, you win the fan base over by winning games. So here's the thing: if you if you've already been suspended and you ain't been on the field, right? right. Yeah. If you already came with the allegations and, and and you know the fans are kind of upset about that, you only played three games. You only played one of the games well this year, so your play isn't all that great. And now you're day to day with an injury. So you're not winning them over. So you're not winning. Actually, you done lost some people. Sure. Because we're just seeing you play well, and you yeah. hurt. Uh, Mike, I know you got to read. I want to ask one question of Jason that I think is pertinent, and you're the guy to answer it. Uh, he was at, Deshaun was asked some pretty crazy questions this week. Like, are are you divorcing you, the Bron? You, you want to divorce here. the Bron? Yeah. Like that was. I thought that was like a little aggressive, but he did try to dispel the notion that there's two camps and there's factions. Is there in your mind? Do you feel that there's any friction right now? between teammates and Deshaun, management and Deshaun, or Deshaun to teammates and Deshaun to management? I don't, I don't have any evidence to say yes that there is. I'm sure that there's, I said frustration a couple weeks ago and everyone went nuts. I, I'm sure from his vantage point, I'm sure there's a lot of frustration right now because he said yesterday, I worked my ass off to get back. I worked so hard to get back and now I have this injury. Right. You know, so I, I don't know that it's divided lines, and it, it will. I, I watched it with LeBron and the Cavs. It does get to that point where there's a, a clear break, and they're over here and they're over here. He's unmovable, though. No, he is, and I and I don't think it's at that point. I don't think. Maybe something changes. Maybe that answer changes in three months or six months. But yeah, the, he's not going anywhere because of that contract. They can't. It's no. it's literally impossible to move him because of the dead cap hit right now. If they did try to do something with him, so he's not going anywhere. They got, if anything. You know, they're clearing out the Brown side of it because he's going to be here. But I don't think it's at that point. I don't think it's it's it's. But I do think sort of what G was saying. He's had in every time I say this, I preface it with, you know, some of his self inflicted Yes. But the the, uh, the emotional that he's been through and the mental that he's been oh. through the last couple of years and then to be able to finally get back on the football field and do what you love. And now to not play up to your standard and now to have this injury on top of it. And for the first time, it is like he was beloved at Clemson. He was yes. beloved in the NFL. Yeah. And he went from that to public enemy number one. He right. is the number one villain in the NFL. And for whatever reason, he just feeds into it because he looks, he seeks it out on social media. Well, he said yesterday, he said he that. I see it all. Everything. And that's, that's the worst thing he to can do. I so agree. It just, it just makes it worse. So I have no doubt he's not in a good space right now just because of everything He's already been through, and everything that's now happening to yeah. him—it's a tough situation. It's a for real me. mental test, absolutely for sure. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm glad you brought up the social media stuff because we touched on on the show yesterday. I just think you need to unplug. I, 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 what, I said that. Yeah. What good comes from you just seeing it. all the criticism and all the darts? Tune that out. Yeah. Do what you do, and make your number one priority has to be returning to Houston, Deshaun. He has to somehow find a way to find peace. Yes. And, yeah. and, and LeBron, I'm not comparing Deshaun to LeBron, but LeBron went through this when he went to Miami and he became the he villain. He tried to embrace being the villain. And it didn't work. Fail. He loves to be loved. He needed to be loved. It lasted for one year and he's like, I can't do this. And eventually he got it all back. Yeah, but 
it's going to be Deshaun this will is never be loved. Yeah, this is maybe in different. Cleveland if he plays well. He's Listen, never going to be loved outside of Cleveland. He takes his team to a Super Bowl. It fixes everything I mean, here. Here, yeah, yeah, yeah. No one and talks who cares about, about national. Nobody talks about Kobe. Nobody talks about Ben and nope. all the stuff that they've right. been winning through. a race is a lot of stuff. But he's That's still right. at, he's still in the muck right now. Yeah, he he's is. not he's not even starting the climb yet. All right, Mike. We got to do a really quick topic before we bring in Tim Couch. Before we get to that, Jace Medical is the place you need to go if you are ever in need of emergency antibiotics in a pinch. Jace, the Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use, giving you peace of mind so you're not just hoping to have access to that kind of medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have that medication in hand, and it's simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to the licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation. So don't get caught prepared, especially with promo code LOCKEDON. You get $20 off those life-saving antibiotics at jacemedical.com. That is J-A-S-E medical.com. We got to do this quickly before we bring in Tim, but Jed Wills, guys, was limited in practice on Wednesday, did not practice on Thursday. His status is TBD for Sunday. Jack Conklin's out. DeWan Jones is filled in admirably. If Jed Wills can't go, it is James Hudson who will have to line up at left tackle for P.J. Walker and protect his blind side. I can't believe I'm asking this after all we've talked about Jed Wills throughout the season, but G. Bush, how big of a loss would it be for the Browns on Sunday if Jed Wills is unable to suit up? I mean, the problem is Jed Wills, you know, he's played a little, he's played, he's played a little bit better the last couple of weeks, um, but the guy behind him, um, Hudson, is, is, he don't want no parts of that. Uh, I, it's, it's a shame that you say, man, I'd like to have Jedrick Wills. I'm even, when, when I looked at it like this, I'm trying to think of if, if Luke Whipler, who could they put out there? Like, because I, I don't want to put James Hudson out there. Um, Jed has played a little bit better. Um, you know, he still has some mistakes out there at left tackle, but um, this is another reason why, you know, I wouldn't have Deshaun Watson being out there, especially if you got a left tackle that is not, um, that's not as, as good at pass blocking as Jedrick Wills, and he's had his problems. So it, it'll be it'll be something. Uh, we're going to find out what kind of depth they have. I think they might have to actually get creative a little bit um, and move some guys around. Um, I don't know if they say, hey, let's put Dewan Jones at left tackle. I doubt it. Um, he's, he's doing right, good, good on the right-hand side. But for me, it's a big deal. Um, it's another guy that you got to find to get ready right now. You got to worry about the snap count when you're talking about left tackles playing in that uh, that hostile environment, not hearing checks and different things like that. And another reason it's kind of tough is now you're going to have Joe Batonio not having that communication with a guy who he's never played next to. You know, he's going to be tapping him on the shoulder. Hey, Joe, what I got on this play? Hey, tapping him on the shoulder. Is it a double team right here to the next level? Hey, 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 what, what, what is this one again? Now, we talked about that when uh, Dewan made his first start, why it was in his ear the whole game, and yep. it ended up affecting why it's playing yep. Yep. at right guard. You could easily see the same. Especially when you're doing Twix, Tewis, Texas, and trying to you know pick up blitzes. That's the big part, especially when you got a quarterback that's going to hold the ball a lot longer than P.J. Walker. So it's a thing. It's definitely a thing. Yeah, well, I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, Jedrick will sucks ass, and no offense. Um, but uh, – uh, I think it's a big deal. <laughs> no offense, but he sucks ass. I, I mean, a um, couple things Your on that. Backup, the backup is bad. You know what this reminds me of? Junior high, you got a girlfriend. You think you're going to upgrade for the dance. You've been talking to a girl that you say is a lot prettier with more personality. Then you find out just before you get ready to ask her that your buddy asked her and she said yes. And now you're looking at your old girlfriend like, you know, she's not so bad after all. <laughs> well. To me... 
Jed, we, Jed Wills has been our punching bag. And for part of the season, I think rightfully so. However, he's back to average. The last two games, right. he has, he's graded out very well for whatever that's worth. I'm not going to use it to help my case here because they're dead to me. But just the eye test, he's done a significantly better job. And I, I asked somebody on the panel earlier this week or last week, do we think that he finally got the, he reached the tipping point where his pride said, okay, enough of this. And he's gone to another level. To me, that's what it looks like. He's been, boy, you have to admit, the last two weeks, he has not been, been better. the deficiency that he was early in the season. I, I, I don't, I'm not buying that James Hudson couldn't be just as good. We haven't seen him that much either. I mean, I know everybody remembers that Pittsburgh game where he was particularly bad, but I just don't think it's that big a deal in the end. I, you know, they survived without Joel Batonio a week, and they won against a better team in San Francisco. And he's a much more, a much better player than Jedrick Wills. I, I just don't, you know, yes, I obviously I'd rather have Jedrick Wills even with his deficiencies. I just don't think the difference between the two is that big a deal. Their offense has got all kinds of problems. I, I think you're that's being awfully quiet at least. I'm problems. just going back to my freshman year homecoming and the girl I took to the dance, <laughs> took her to Chi Chi's. And then we right. got to the dance. She didn't dance with me all night. She was another dude Maybe all if night. Maybe you taken her to a nice restaurant. <laughs> there was a group of us. It was the Ohio State game that Robert Smith ran against USC. Was on the TV at Chi Chi's. Wow. And we get to the dance, and she danced. I won't use names. She danced with this other dude all night, and I sat in the corner drinking punch. Wow, you still have PTSD. I that. do. So I brought up some bad Fresh, memories. Freshman year okay, let's snap Jason, out of it and happened? get to Jed Wills. <laughs> yeah, that's where I got. Broke. She ended up marrying him. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, what's your take on this? Because you watch him very closely, and you see he's been on an upward trajectory. I, I think it's I think it's a drastic step back from Jed Wills to James Hudson. Yeah. I do, and you know I was the one screaming Jed's average, Jed's average, and then he was absolutely horrible the first couple of games. I don't think James Hudson's average. Do your eyes tell you the same thing that ours sort of do? Is that he he's he's improved the last couple? He's of weeks. been better for sure. He's and and that's like the guy that I was trying to defend. We've finally seen it the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's the guy I was trying to defend over the summer. Of he's not as bad as we make him out to be. He's not elite by any means, but I always thought he was average. And then he came out this year. I don't know what that was. The first couple of games, no one does. But the last couple of games is back to sort of that. He's acceptable. You know, he's, he's at least passable there. Yeah. And Hudson. Now we want to go to the dance with him, and he might not be available. Don't the, go to Chi-Chi's. The, the last thing you <laughs> Don't mean, take him to Chi-Chi's. Chi-Chi's. Hey, R.I.P. Chi-Chi's. That, that place was great, man. Fried ice cream? Oh, that was, was great. That it was great. No, that was Chi-Chi's. Okay, fried ice cream was yeah. Chi-Chi's, yeah. All right. Uh, we have a read first, or do we just bring Tim right in? It's a real quick read, but we're going to remind the good people that at 1230, we hop over from YouTube to Channel 3 on WKYC. You can watch if you're not in the Cleveland market by downloading the WKYC Plus app or the WKYC app on your smartphone. You can watch 30 minutes of brand new, never before seen or talked about content about the Browns and Seahawks upcoming game on Sunday, including some pre-written headlines and a top five players draft, which I promise you is going to be very contentious. So with that, let's welcome in our QB1. It is the one and only Tim Cowley. What's up, Tim? What's up, guys? Tim, what do you what do you uh, make of the whole? I'm sure you've been following it from Lexington. What do you make of the Deshaun Watson roller coaster that has now taken us to the point where at least he was ruled out early this week, and we know it's going to be PJ. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird deal, you know. It's uh, it's so it's so back and forth, you know. And I think um, you know it's pretty rare you see because I think he's been cleared right by the doctors. The doctor said he was he was cleared, um, well, he was as cleared. far as what I've read. 
Yeah, he was cleared the day after the injury. Right. Uh, you know, uh, we don't know how, but. Yeah, exactly. So it's weird that, you know, you get cleared by the doctors and, and you don't see a guy, you know, out there. But, you know, only Deshaun really knows how his body, how his body feels. So, um, you know, I've been through those kind of injuries and I know that, um, you know, it gets in your head a little bit where, you know, I'm not 100 percent. I know I'm not able to make the throws that I'm uh, capable of making. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, it, it's it's tough. You know, it's frustrating for the fans to. You know, you want you want him out there. You know, he's such a good player, and you have um, you know so much of uh, the offense revolves around what Deshaun brings to the table, and not having him out there is such a step back. So, uh, you know, you want him out there. It's it's tough, but hopefully, he can they can get it figured out. Deshaun can get healthy and get back out on the field soon. Uh, Tim, let me ask you this question. Um, you know, we were talking about the the, the mental psyche, especially at quarterback, um, as the guy that's supposed to be the leader, as the guy that everybody looks to, and is supposed to be the captain of the team. Um, one of the times that I always remember is, in, you know, when you were playing for the Browns, how many times you got sacked and when you got injured, uh, you know, the one time, I think it was your shoulder, you, uh, they, they booed you, right? And um, how, do, how were you able, first of all, did that hurt your mental psyche that, you know, your home fam was booing, your home crowd was booing you? And two, um, how did you, how did that, that affect your, your psyche moving forward that, you know, you were injured and people may have not thought that you were injured that much or they were even upset for the simple fact that you were injured. Uh, what's your thought process in that and how it kind of juxtaposed how Deshaun Watson, you know, seems a little irritated that people are questioning him being injured? Yeah, definitely so. You know, with, with my injury, when that happened to me, it was a concussion. Um, so I got knocked out on a, uh, I think it was a Sunday night game. We were playing the Ravens at home. And uh, we were getting beat. We were playing bad in the game. But that was the year we went to the playoffs, actually. So, um, you know, I was having a good year. But in that game, we weren't playing well on offense. And um, I, I got hit in the head, got knocked out. And, um, you know, I don't remember the fans necessarily booing. I was kind of out of it. But, uh, you know, I just remember after the game, they put microphones in my face, which I definitely should not have been That's speaking insane. to the media. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know why they put me out there like that. You know, I, I certainly wouldn't have said the things that I said if they would given me, you know, a day to cool off. You know, I would have handled it much better. But in that moment, um, you know, you've just been knocked out of a game. You, you've got a concussion. Your fans are booing. It just feels like the weight of the world's coming down on you. And you get frustrated. And I said things that I, that I definitely regretted. Um, but, uh, you know, for, for, for Deshaun, it's, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I saw where you guys were talking about Deshaun said he sees everything. Like, that is awful for a quarterback. Like, I can't believe I didn't play in the social media era where we had, you know, to listen to people on Twitter and Instagram and all this kind of stuff. But I know if I did that, I wouldn't be reading that kind of stuff, you know, and I wouldn't be listening to what people were saying. And, you know, you really just have to focus on what the people inside your locker room are talking about and, and you know, have the belief in the, of, your, of your teammates and your coaches. But to go out there and say you're listening to what the media is saying and what the fans are saying, oh. uh, you know, on social media and all that kind of stuff, I think it only hurts you mentally. Like, it's how do you – you know, how do you, um, you know, have the confidence in yourself after reading that kind of stuff? You know, it's very difficult. You know, people can say, I can block it out. I just want to, you know, but you, you really can't. You know, that, that, that stuff affects you. When the fans are booing, uh, people are complaining, they're questioning your toughness, they're questioning, uh, do you want to be out there? You're making this much money. Are you, you know, you are you just content with all the money you've made now? You don't even really want to play. You hear all those things. That, that's difficult as a player, and I, I don't know why he would want to see that, but um, – you know, each guy's a little different, so I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I would have went the, the, the opposite route of that one. Tim, you know, first of all, Bernie was here in studio just gushing about how much he loves you yesterday. Uh, he's, he's your biggest fan, no doubt. He, he loves you. He was talking about all the injuries you played through. You know, I think there's a major 
flaw in sports in general, but especially in football. You guys, when you're playing, you're young, you're great athletes. You know, sometimes guys like me who did not play, we can be dismissive of guys, uh, you know, careers who maybe weren't great, you know, whatever. whatever. Like, I'll knock Jedrick Wills because I don't think he's that good. But I know, I know down deep when I'm thinking about it rationally, just to get to the NFL, even if you play for two years, Dustin Fox, who I, who I did a show with for 12 years, he played in the league for three years. There's a million, million guys out there that would kill to play in the NFL for three years. I'm not gonna, we shouldn't scoff at anybody's career. So there's a pressure to play in the NFL. There's outside of guys like Watson and a few other guys, there's not a lot of guaranteed money. So there's the pressure to make money. There's a pressure to take care of your family when you know that maybe by 30, you don't know what the hell you're going to do with the rest of your life, okay? But I think it is imperative for the doctors and the coaches to be better than that. Like, there are times probably you played, and I understand why you played. And there are times where Bernie played, and I understand why Bernie played. But I think there had to be somebody that said, Tim, you can't play. You can't. I'm doing this. what's best for you. And I know that's easy for me to say as a non-player. But I feel like organizations do this all the time. Well, we got to win. We need Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson can't play at a winning level, then what's the point? You're just hurting him and hurting the team anyway. We need. I, I, I think it's better than it was when you were playing and when Bernie was playing, but it's still not good enough. I know I rambled for a while. Fair, unfair, what do you think? No, I think that's fair. You know, it's certainly different than when, especially when Bernie played and when I played of, you know, the, you know, the, the, the trainers and the coaches, they, they were going to do anything to get you back out on the field. Um, you know, just if, if you could get out there and you could play, you, you were going, you know, and, and, you know, my mindset when I was a player was, you know, I, I'm going to play, you know, unless I have a broken bone or I just had surgery, like I'm going to play through any injury that I can play through. And it was just kind of a, kind of that mindset that, that we had. Um, you know, and even though doctors are saying, hey, you probably shouldn't play, you're not 100%, like, you still want to be out there on the field, you just feel an obligation, or I did, I felt a very strong obligation to, you know, my teammates and my coaches and, and in the fans as well, as uh, that I need to be out there, I need to be under center, they're paying me a lot of money to play this position, I need to be accountable no matter how I feel, if I'm sick, if I'm injured, I wanted to be out there, and I know most guys have that type of mindset, and um, you know, but but you know the, the Deshaun thing has been handled, you know, in my opinion, pretty poorly as far as you know the communication 100%. with you know the the training staff, the coaches, and and Deshaun. They're all kind of saying a little different things, and um, you know, so you know, it ultimately comes down to Deshaun. You know, he he knows his body way better than any of us do, any of the trainers do, any of the coaches do. He knows if he's capable of going out there and playing. And from what I saw when he was out on the field against Indianapolis, he did not look like he was ready to play football. Um, you know, I think he, he may have rushed it a little bit. You know, he may need to may need a few more weeks because, you know, he didn't play well. Like he was out there, he was throwing interceptions. The ball didn't look like it had a whole lot of velocity on it. Uh, so I just hope he can, you know, get himself healthy and get back out on the field and, um, you know, and get back to that form. Hopefully that what he was in Houston, that's what we all want to see. That's what we paid him to be here for. So, you know, hopefully he can get back to that soon. Tim, we have spent a lot of time on Deshaun watching this weekend, probably justified, but we do have a game this Sunday against Seattle. P.J. Walker's quarterback won here, and he is going to lead an offense that just scored 38 points, 39 points, excuse me, into a pretty tough environment to play in. As a quarterback on the road who's not a traditional starter, what does Coach Stefanski and Walker have to figure out as far as either in-game adjustments, audibles? Like, how does a backup quarterback 
handle the, that environment on the road, especially in Seattle, where the 12th man's as crazy as any fan base in the country? Yeah, that, that's an extremely tough place to go play a game. I played a road game there as well, and it's it's just so loud. So, you know, to me, especially for a backup, um, communication is, is key. You know, how are you going to communicate at the line of scrimmage? Because you're not going to be able – they're not going to be able to hear you more than likely on most plays. So, you know, you got to have your hand signals and everything. Uh, everyone has to be on the same page. There's probably extra meetings going on between the quarterback and the wide receivers uh, this week about, you know, hand signals, just getting up in front of the team and uh, in the meeting room and going through those signals, making sure everyone is on the same page, uh, you know, and then you're using a silent count, you know. So um, the offensive line, everyone has to be uh, on the same page and communicating, and you know, where the blitz is coming from, who's sliding to who, you know, how are we going to pick these guys up, uh, there's just a lot that goes into it, uh, you know, especially when you got a quarterback who hasn't started many games in this league, started many games with this team, and, um, you know, you're going on in a tough environment on the road like that, trying to communicate those things. It's, it's, it's extremely difficult for a starter, you know, a guy who's, you know, seasoned and been in the league for a long time, much less a guy who hasn't played very often, uh, especially within this system. This is a stupid question, but PJ, I mentioned <laughs> earlier in this, I preface all my questions that they're stupid, but. <laughs> he had four practices that I can count prior to this week. He had the week of San Francisco three, and he had last Wednesday before Deshaun came back Thursday, Friday. So he's had four practices. How much does practice matter in a game week preparation when you're thrust into a situation like he was last week, coming in early without a lot of reps, as opposed to this week where you have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm not saying he's going to be Deshaun out there, but I wonder if we can see at least some sort of incremental improvement in his play just because he knows the game plan and he takes all the first team reps all week long. Yeah, it, it makes a big difference. You know, I think obviously you're getting more reps. You're getting all those walkthrough reps as the first team guy. You know, when you're the backup quarterback, the first team, uh, the starter is out there going through the, all those walkthroughs throughout the week where you're going through very important stuff in those walkthroughs where you're talking about blitzes and, and you know, side adjustments and how you're going to handle that. When you're the backup, you know, you're just standing behind the huddle, you know, kind of going through those mental reps. What would I do here? How am I going to do this? But when you're up there and it's live and you're, you're the one having to make those calls and those checks, um, you know, you, you, you start to get more comfortable with that because you're, you've done it in practice. You, you know what kind of what to expect when the game comes on Sunday. So, you know, I think it makes a big difference, you know, especially like I said, and those walkthroughs really help the red zone practice as well. You know, you're getting those red zone and those third down reps in practice that you normally only get a couple of if you're the backup. So just getting those extra reps and, and really understanding, you know, what the defense is going to try to do to you in certain situations. And, and then also just the mental part of it going into the game, knowing that you're going to be the starter. You're not wondering if, you know, is, is Deshaun going to make it through this whole game? Am I going to have to come in? What's the situation going to be like if I'm thrust into the game like he was last week? So, you know, you just feel more comfortable going into it as a starter. You know what's uh, what's expected of you as, as a starting quarterback. And, and, and certainly that preparation of, of having those practices and, and being the guy all week long certainly helps a quarterback get, uh, get ready for those moments. Tim, when, you, when there is a, a um, backup quarterback uh, in a game, um, is this a thing? Um, do they ever – <clears throat> Say, for instance, if you're the starter, you may uh, have a different progression than a backup has, right? Or maybe, um, you know, as a backup, they only ask you to read one side of the field or they, you know, they don't let you audible. Are there any, like, uh, I guess, parameters or guardrails that, that Coach Stefanski um, would be looking at giving P.J. Walker in order for him to play faster or the team to be more efficient, especially when you try to check into the line of scrimmage? 
Yeah, I think I think you uh, simplified a little bit, you know, especially for a guy who hasn't played a whole lot, started a lot of games. Uh, you, you don't want to give him too much, especially at the line of scrimmage. You don't want to go up there with two or three plays called and have him doing a lot of checks, a lot of run checks, uh, you know, a lot of runs, a pass checks, those kind of things. Uh, that uh, you know, you really want to uh, you know you know it's it's uh, you know the starters you know they, that those are the guys you want to throw all that information at these kind of you know when you got a backup quarterback like this who's going to be starting a game you know in my opinion it's best to say all right here's what we're going to do we're going to make it very simple for you we're going to get the football out of your hand first and foremost we're not going to take negative plays we're not going to hold on to the ball we're not going to take sacks. Uh, we're going to do a lot of three-step stuff. We're going to give you some screen game. We're, we want to get the football out of your hand. And w- when a quarterback sees the ball completed, it just kind of builds momentum and confidence. It's like a, like a great shooter in basketball when they're struggling and all of a sudden they get to the free throw line and they see a couple shots go in. Next thing you know, they heat up a little bit. And it's very similar for a quarterback as well. Uh, just to see the ball completed, you start you start feeling more confident. You start getting in a little bit more of a rhythm. So I think those kind of things are very important for a quarterback uh, who's making, uh, you know, one of his, you know, very few starts that he's made in the league. Also, some play action helps quite a bit, you know, getting the ball out to the tight end, crossing routes, little check downs over the middle, uh, just, just making sure that he's playing fast. You know, I think that's the biggest thing, not trying to ask too much, not giving him him these big full-field reads where he's out there trying to go from one side of the field to the other. Uh, just one, two, if it's not open, check it down or run. Uh, you know, just make it simple for him like that. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure that that's, that's kind of what the game plan will be this week. Tim, thanks a bunch, man. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the game thanks, on Tim. Sunday. All right. Appreciate it, guys. All right. Have a good weekend. Former Browns Thanks. quarterback Tim Couch. Uh, it is some interesting points that he made about how you would, you know, sort of streamline your offense for the backup quarterback. Um, and the hope is, to your point, Jay, that you know he has had a full week of practice. He's had more time to get ready for this game than any other so far. Yeah. So he should look a little bit better than he has in the past, and that might be enough to get him the win. We're going to talk about some one-on-one matchups in this game in one sec, but on Saturday night, we have Ohio State versus Wisconsin. You can watch it right here on WKYC. They have a post-game show with Ted Hughes here for the Ohio State-Wisconsin game, so make sure you guys check that out on WKYC Saturday night, the post-game show also on WKYC. Guys, there are some fascinating one-on-one matchups in this game on Sunday between Seattle and the Cleveland Browns. We're going to run through four of the matchups that I think are Four to particularly watch, and you guys let me know who you think has the edge in these one-on-one matchups. So I'm going to give it to you. You guys tell me which side you think is the advantage. Let's start with a Browns DB versus Seattle receiver. DK Metcalf versus Denzel Ward. If you're picking between a one-on-one matchup here, who are you giving the advantage to? That's Does anybody have I mean, Denzel? I think it's a th- it's a, it's a I mean, it's really a tie. It's I a just think the size difference here is Metcalf's so a little banged great. up, though. He is. I don't know how healthy he's going to be. I yeah. When I was doing this, I went to the fact that he's going to be completely healthy because how do you judge otherwise? You don't know. I just think as good as Denzel is, it's, it, this is the kind of guy that creates a big problem for him. I don't know, Because man. of the size mismatch. It's just I, But it's Jamar, Jamar Chase is a big receiver, too. <laughs> And I don't think he's as big as, as Metcalf. Maybe not as big, but he's way more talented overall. And uh, freak. If, if Denzel Ward can play well with Jamar Chase, he should be able to play well against everybody. Now, he's been inconsistent at times in his career. He's been pretty consistent this year, it seems to me. What would they have to hold him to for Ward to say he won the matchup? Under 50 receiving yards? It's so hard for me yeah. to say because if he holds him to 42, but he scores on a 38-yarder to win the game, right? You know, like it's yeah. it's really hard. It's hard to put a number on it. But I'll tell you, that play Denzel made last week was elite. Yeah, very good. 
it, when when he threw the pick, I forget who the intended receiver was. And Zach Jackson and I were sitting next to each other. And Zach said, I didn't see Denzel either. Like, I can't believe. And then we saw the replay. It's like, because he wasn't there. Yeah. Like, he was open when he made the throw. And Denzel closed on him. He wasn't even on him. And, and saw well, the, Denzel took a step the wrong way. Yeah. And so, I don't know if he was doing it intentionally to bait the bait quarterback. Move. I thought it was a bait move. It was, or it was. And what it showed was incredible recovery speed. Yeah, and a, makeup a, speed. A high percentage of interceptions are bad throws by the quarterbacks yes. and the guys in the right place at the right time. Yeah, this was a play where he hawked it. It wasn't yeah. a bad throw. It no, was just it, a great play. It was a great play. I like play. DK Metcalf, but listen, give me Denzel Ward. There, there is like let's let's not get it twisted. You know, there's a path to victory here. It's not like we playing. I mean. You got the same. I, I don't. Last time I checked, I don't think that the, the roster got worse be, between the time we played the 49ers, Right? Don't turn the ball over. That's there the it is. Yeah. If if, well, if you've lost it. Jerome Ford and maybe Jedrick Wills since then. Okay. Um, well, but you so, didn't have Batonio in that. Some game. yes, you're correct. I'm looking at it like this, man. If that defense shows up like they did against the 49ers, I'm not worried about the Seahawks offense. They got some nice stuff. I love it. Yeah. But the 49ers are way more talented than Seahawks. I'll give me Denzel Ward. He had a nice yeah. pick last week. I got him. I got. I got him shutting him down. I agree with you, G. I'm. I'm. I'm going to go by a hair with Denzel. By a hair, Ward. yeah. But I, I, like I think. It. I think you're right too. Like if if the Browns play great defense in this game, like they did against the, the Niners, they got a good chance to win. Yeah. If they play defense like they did against Indy, they're yeah. going down. Yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah. All right. Well, it's back? a two-two split there. If I had to pick, I'd actually go. Down. I think Denzel's a better cornerback than DK's a better receiver by a smidge. So. Also, some uh, injury news. Jed Wills back at practice today. That's yeah. big. Good. Also, Jerome Ford back at practice today doing drills. Yeah, he's not going to play. Yeah, though. but I can't I imagine I don't think he, he plays, play. but the fact he's already back and he was doing the uh, tire drill, you know, high yeah. steps. Yeah. Not necessarily contact, but yeah. it's, good it's six pressure days on the removed, ankle. Five I mean, days removed from a high ankle sprain. So that hey, is it was a low-grade high ankle yeah. sprain. He's aware, he's, a, he's aware of what's behind him. A lot of people want to see yeah, he, could, he could lose his job in a hurry if, if Pierre Strong plays well. <laughs> he must, he must, well I do not want that. Let me get out here and flex his ankle a little bit. It ain't even hurt like that. All right, it's interesting. That? Jed Wills, though, who did not practice yesterday, is back today. That is so he's going to play. That's really good news. Next individual one-on-one matchup. Let's switch sides of the ball here. How about Amari Cooper versus the fifth overall pick and rookie sensation who Corbin Smith this week said was already the best player on the Seahawks defense, yeah. Devin Witherspoon, the Wiley vet. Or the highly touted rookie. Which Weatherspoon is, for those who care about such things, the number one graded corner on PFF. Yeah. They got crazy corners. They got Woolen. Woolen is really yeah. good. Yeah. nice. Yeah. Witherspoon. Not a good recipe with a young quarterback who's turnover prone. But let me start this, man. Listen, don't get it twisted. You might be nice, but you're still 12 and a half years old, Witherspoon. I didn't see Amari Cooper make people fall the last two, three weeks. You can, he's, he's the route god. He is the dude. That tap dances on everybody. He's not fast, but if you're going to tell me that a rookie is going to shut Amari Cooper down, one of the best route runners, now I got a lot of respect for Witherspoon, but rookies are rookies. He about to get this work. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm with G again. I'm going slight edge for Cooper, but it's close because Witherspoon's really good. I would take Witherspoon. I would have taken Denzel. You said it was 2-2. Two, two. I'd take oh, Denzel. It wasn't 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, it was 3-1. Oh, it was 3-1? I'd take Denzel. Oh, yeah, he was leaning Denzel, too. Yeah. My apologies. Uh, but on this one, I would take Witherspoon over. Yeah, I was re- this was really tough for me. Really tough for me. In the end, what it came down to was Amari's savvy veteran savvy. route running um, might be a little too – I don't – then I went back to this. Well, hell, last week – Amari wasn't even. Did he play? 
You know, I mean, well, that wasn't his fault. No, I know it wasn't his fault. That's but why I, I'm not blaming the wide receivers for no, anything. No, but when you look at who's throwing the football, yeah, who's throwing the flag? That's uh, where Amari showed up. Yeah, you, you are kidding. But so for me, it, it, I, I'm going Amari Cooper only because of the veteran to rookie thing. But with this quarterback yeah. and his inability to get him the ball last week. I don't know that we should well, necessarily be expecting him to have a big game. If this you're week. asking who's more likely to have a better game this week, I'd actually say Witherspoon. Yeah, that's the question. Is that the question? Who has yeah, the edge in a one on one matchup? It's not with the edge of the Who wins the matchup? That's not the same but, question. But the to quarterback me, but plays into the, quarterback, the receiver. Yes, he yeah. absolutely plays into it. I mean, the quarterback, we, we rewatched G, Mike, and I right before the show. I was going through. Can I set this up? Both? Yeah, go ahead. So this morning, I, I watched the All 22 film twice each week. Right. And you watch it the first time and you see some stuff. You watch it the second time and you pick up some like See a lot more. A lot of nuances. And there was another play we could talk about later with P.J. Walker and, and something that happened to benefit him that he didn't do right. But whatever. And there was the play when, when <gasps> P.J. Walker did the interception. The arm punt down to the three-yard Yeah. Play. If you go back and watch the route Amari Cooper ran, it is one of the most beautiful ballet-esque make a defender fall. He had 50 yards of separation, essentially. And the ball was well, thrown by not fifty not yards. 50, but what are you talking about? Fifty. He yards. had thirty yards ahead of him and ten yards on each side to the side. Yeah, this should have been an easy touchdown. It, yeah. it was a been, terrible yes. throw by PJ Walker. Easy yeah. touchdown. When you see it from that behind angle, where you could really see the space and you don't see it on TV, it's glaring just, when you look at it. From o- that. He's just always open. Is my point. So Amari's, Amari's going to the back pile on wide open, and and uh, Walker throws it to the middle of the field. So he's got to cut back. I wonder if that no was chance. just a miscommunication where he thought he was going to cut one way and he. I don't think so. I think it was just a terrible throw. God, how can you miss by that much? Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, that's was, not a terrible throw. That's just what are you doing? Yeah. That's that. And, and that's where, in this game, if the if the Browns want to win, I thought they did a good job of, of saying this last week. P.J. Walker has to hit a couple plays. He has to hit a couple plays, and he finally hit that play down the sideline to Elijah Moore, and it was just enough to get him where they need to go. In this game, P.J. Walker has to hit one or two throws to keep drives going, move the chains, or possibly get a touchdown uh, on the road for them to get a win. So, you know, that's a, that's a throw that they're going to have an opportunity to have next week yeah. or this week coming and up they, Sunday. But they, they hit can't it. be predictable. Like, I'll go, I'll go back. You know, I'm not a big play caller complaining guy, as you know. But watching the game last night, I'll defend Baker a little bit because I don't think he played particularly well in this game. Oh, that last drive? No. Well, that last drive was ridiculous. Oh it took my forever. God, unbelievable. But even the whole – for most of the game, until the game for, – for most of the first half – for the entire first half, basically, they would – they tried to get their run going, and then they gave up on the run. And they were actually running decently early with um, – what's his name? White. Uh, is it White? He, yeah. he had one James decent White. run, but he was getting stoned on but a lot of But here's the thing. Runs. You know why? Because if you go back and look at their plays in the first half, they would go run, run, pass every oh, time. They were completely the predictable. The other thing, too, that was weird about that game is their starting field position. It seemed yeah, like yeah. they were starting at the two-yard line all night. They did four – three times they started inside the five and four times inside the ten. Yeah, that's a tough ask. Yeah. All right, what's next? Who's next? Next up, we're going to the interior of the lines here. Joel Batonio, an all-pro guard for the Browns, and Jaron Reed, one of the more underrated defensive tackles in football. He leads the Seahawks with four sacks this season and has had a sack in each of the past two games. But is that enough to edge out Joel Batonio? I would take Batonio, but, you know, it's, a, it's obviously a step in the right direction. If Jed's practicing today, you would have to assume he's probably going to play. But we'll go back to what we said earlier. If he doesn't, 
that puts a lot of extra strain on Joel. Joel, I, I think, has not quite been to the level that we've expected of him at times this year. I'm, like, trying to keep from hiccuping. But I would still take uh, – <laughs> I, I would take Joel in this uh, – yeah, I would take Joel. Browns were running from 160, 150 yards back-to-back weeks. Um, this is another game where I think they'll still be able to run the ball well. Um, they're going to need to run and stick to it. I'm going to go with Joel Petonio. See, this is, this is, this is the catch-22 with the Browns, right? Because they've had so much quarterback turmoil, people forget the rest of the roster is nice. <laughs> like, you start going out position for position, you're like, well, okay, well, I'll take him, and I'll take him, and, and I'll take the Browns on this one too. And you start to see the depth and just at all these other literate positions, how they got guys that can get it done. In this case, I, I'm going with Joe Batonio. I, I like Jaron Reed or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But, hey, let's go back. You know, this isn't a DJ Reader. This isn't, you know what I'm saying, this isn't some of the guys the 49ers have in, in the middle. This is, you know, I, he's, a, he's a nice ball player. But give me Joe Batonio specifically in the run game. I'm actually going to go with, I agree with Mike. I think he's underrated. I think their whole D-line is underrated. Batonio's not played well this year. His, and in particular in the run game, he's not been good. <laughs> If it, it, you see it week in and week out, you, the grades back it up. His his rush uh, run blocking grades have not been very good, uh, and and Reed's been really good. So I'm going to give a slight edge to Reed. Yeah, I'm with you. Reed scares me. I think this matchup scares me. If you give me Joel Batonio from any other year, then but this yeah. year I got Batonio, and I don't even really have to think about it. He just hasn't been that guy. Nope. I don't know if this is the year he gets old. I don't know if he's got some nagging injuries we don't know about. Well, he had that he surgery. Just, yeah, you know, that's so. true. I, it just doesn't look he like the same guy great. to me. No. You know? yeah. I don't know. So, just, it was close. Again, I th- I wanted to compliment you. I think you yeah, did a really good close. job because they were all very, very close. There was None of these were slam dunks for me. I could have gone either more, way. Right, Mike? We do have one more. I appreciate that, Jay. Last up, JOK, who's been way better than any of us could have imagined Jim Schwartz's defense this season, taking that next step forward we had hoped and anticipated. And Kenneth Walker, who has quietly been one of the best running backs in football. He's been very good. Which I'm going to go with Kenneth edge? Walker. Um, this is the part of the game that scares me a little bit um, because if there's one thing that you can say um, is that, you know, the Browns got touched a little bit against the Ravens on the ground. Um, in, 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 you know, especially with the quarterback, uh, Lamar Jackson. You take a look at this game. Um, they got Kenneth Walker. Last game, I thought uh, Taylor and what's the name? And Taylor and Moss had a nice game, one-two punch, and I think Taylor really got his best game of the season. So this is a place where you come in and you say, okay, Seattle can run the football. Kenneth Walker is physical, <laughs> and I take my chances with the with the with the uh, Browns on the ground rather than in the air because that leaves Miles Garrett uh, trying to get off blocks and not pass rushing. I I think uh, Kenneth Walker definitely has it over JLK, especially because of the weight difference and the fact that he's just so physical to get on the ground. I think it's another good matchup for Mike. I think I agree with Jay. All four of these are really close. JLK's had a tremendous season. I mean, he's by far, right, their most improved player this year. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that's even to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I put Delpit up. Delpit's too. up there too. But we Delpit, thought Delpit least, had a level of play last year. Right, that we'd I mean, already late in the year he had started to improve. Okay, last year. Okay, was Delpit, awful. Yeah. But Dequel he's been was great for him to be released, especially against the run. But I, I think Kenneth Walker is one of the five best running backs in the league. He is a load in the in that running yeah, game. Th- this Pause. matchup really scares uh, me. Going for Kenneth Walker, but again, I think it's close. Yeah, I, I, same thing. Going with Kenneth Walker. Um, not the ideal matchup you want for JOK. 
Um, I think he's big enough that he's going to give him problems on making tackles on initial contact. He, I think this is a guy that you need help to bring down. So there'll be some gang tackling. Well, and that's I, yeah. Go to, ahead. To that point, that's why it's hard for me really to look at this as a one-on-one. Right. Yeah, I don't look at because it I don't think this is really on JOK to get him down. No, but I when I was yeah. when I was weighing it in my mind, I said, okay, so what if there's ten open field mm. contacts between JOK where he's the guy in front of him and right. Kenneth Walker? I just have Walker winning more of those okay, than JOK. Yeah. They have to, yeah, Dalvin Tomlinson's the guy who's going to be responsible now, for it if, the most. And if those guys get arms on him and slow him down, then I like JOK. Yeah, well, I mean, Derrick Henry's the biggest back they faced, and he was mostly being stopped by the Browns' front. He yes. was, absolutely. Yeah. So if that continues, yeah. then yeah, he's got a huge advantage because he's not coming at you at full speed. Right. You need, you need to change the line of scrimmage and, and be on their side of the line of scrimmage so that he doesn't get a two, three-yard run downhill, and now he's in the secondary. They can stop him like they did Derrick Henry before he gets going. That's yeah. how you got to stop big backs. Who are you yeah. going with, Jason? Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker. Okay. Little Kenneth Walker nugget for you guys before we get to my five stats. Is he a Michigan State guy? He was a Michigan I State guy. So. Yep. 49% of his rushing yards this season, 49% have come on stretch plays beyond the outside tackle. So with an extra blocker, he does not run I wouldn't have up guessed the that. middle with, the near, with nearly as much efficiency as he does outside. What that equates to is he breaks a ton of tackles. 63% of his missed tackles yeah. have come outside. And so when he gets on non-defensive linemen, yeah. very difficult to Oof. bring down. But 227 of his 400, uh, 222 of his 450 rushing yards a season have come on stretch plays outside of the hmm. most eligible tackle. That, that's interesting. And that also doesn't bode well for JOK. Linebackers and safeties got to do their job. Yes, they do. Yeah. Okay, uh, you doing a read here? We got a read, and it's time for the piece? five stats that fit that weren't Kenneth Walker. Before we do that, we got to remind the good people that FanDuel is the number one sportsbook in America. It is unquestioned, undeniable, and it is our favorite sportsbook as well. Right now, brand new customers get two hundred dollars in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet. That's two hundred dollars in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is literally no better time to get in on the action than this exact minute. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash UCSS to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL and an official partner of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. And By the way, Mike, FanDuel does look-ahead lines, which is which yeah, I, I love this weekend. They, they are Browns are a three-and-a-half-point dog this week, this week in Seattle. Looking ahead to next week, as of today, the Browns are a touchdown favorite. Wow. Actually, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Cardinals. Mm. Ooh, that's a big spread. I just wanted to quickly remind all of our viewers, if you have a winning ticket on FanDuel this weekend, we know there's going to be a lot of betting action between college football tomorrow and then, of course, the NFL on Sunday. Uh, screenshot it, take a picture of it, send it to us. We would love to feature your winnings on FanDuel on our show, the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. So win and get your ticket mentioned on the air. All right, guys, well, here are the five things you need to know, five stats you need to know heading into this game against the Seahawks. And before I give you the first that I have a question for you guys. Where do you think the four-man pass rush unit for the Browns of Miles Garrett, Zadarius Smith, Ogbo, and Dalvin Tomlinson ranks among the league's best four-unit pass rush groups? It ranks in what, based on like, what? In terms, one of, to in terms of pressure rate, in yeah. terms of overall oh, pressure yeah. rate. Oh, you didn't say the stat. 
No, you, I'm asking you first. Where do you think he they wants us to rank them? Like, are they are they second? Are do they twenty second? Pressure rate is that four man pressure group or that yeah. four man pass rush group of Miles, Zadarius, Agbo, and Tomlinson? Yeah, there are eighty six qualified four man pass rush units in the NFL with at least fifteen snaps together against. I see what uh, you're saying. So all the different combinations of all Got the it. combinations. Yeah. that four. Where do you think it ranks in the NFL? In terms of overall pressure rate, two. Top, I would say three, very high. Top three to five. Two. I'll say eleven. He's asking this because we're going to be surprised. Right. So Bull, and Bull is actually damn near spot on. Yeah, they rank twelfth in the NFL. He's not asking us this it. if they're top five. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I went I into this right thinking into this is gonna this is so dangerous. It seems like every time these four in particular rush together, yeah, to get to the quarterback, and they do at a now, very high rate. I mean, eleven's the, good. The at difference 80 thing something. is, it's not like it's eleven out of thirty-two. Yeah, eleven out of eighty-six is in the top fifteen percent. Well, it's twelve, but yes, it's twelve out of eighty-six. Twelve out of eighty-six. Their overall pressure rate, and this is what is crazy, Steve. You could take it. They're getting to the quarterback at a forty-six point three four three percent pressure rate with that four-man pass rush group. God, who's who's number one in that? Yeah, you ready for this? Yeah. In Dallas, Micah Parsons, Lawrence, Armstrong, and Dante Fowler in 19 pass rush opportunities have a 90.1 pressure rate with that four-person unit. That now, is that, that, 30 points higher than everyone else. Yeah, but that's also a pretty small sample size. Well, it's 28 for I know. Cleveland. I mean, we, we have almost nine more yeah. with this foursome. But that's still, that's astounding. They're getting home that nine, Yeah, frequently. It's absurd. There, there but, could be some context missing. Maybe that's a, a group of four... That only comes in on third and long situations. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. Ideally, I'm, I'm, you're putting your best. Your, that's your when best you're putting four. your best it's, four out there. It's essentially but your what, NASCAR but, package versus other teams. NASCAR right, but to Bull's point, what could, what, what might be different in that is yeah. it depends on when in the game that happens too. It could you be know, late in the game when you know the. When passing. the sample size yeah. is this small, it, yeah. there's but still twelve is you well, know. Yeah, I think that's good. Well, that eighty six is good, but my bottom line of seeing that is, I think this unit has been good. 46.6% pressure. We'll take that. It still has a chance to be even better. And against the Seattle offensive line that is playing without, potentially, they have the same situation as Jed Wills. They're one of their tackles has not practiced this week. He may oh, not really? Be, he may not be on the field on Sunday. Uh, Mike, let me There's ask, a chance to get a lot of pressures on Geno Smith. Let me ask this. Um, so the sack rate was 7%, just over 7% yes. for ours. What was the sack rate for Dallas's? It was like 17%. It wasn't actually that high. Yeah. There are some that have, because it's, 15 or more snaps together. Some have played 70 snaps together. Some have played 16. Yeah. It's not the exact you know, translation, when, but yeah. at the end of the day, that four-man group for the Browns is getting to the quarterback, or at least affecting their timing half the, half the time. And that's pretty what you damn want. good. Yeah, that's pretty really good, good, especially without the extra rusher. Next okay. up. Good we, stat. We talked about Devin Witherspoon. Yeah. And how Bull mentioned he is the highest-graded Cornerback in the NFL, according to PFF. Second straight year, by the way, PFF has had a rookie cornerback as the highest graded Sauce Gardner was next year. He's not just good. This dude's stupid good. His last three games against the Bengals, after being called out by DK Metcalf, his own teammate, saying he's going to shut down Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow targeted Jamar Chase three times in that game, allowed one that catch is for three yards, and had two pass breakups. No, with, with, with Witherspoon. Witherspoon in coverage. Yes, yeah. with Witherspoon in yeah. coverage, yes. Okay. Yeah. Against Arizona, the entire game, any receiver, the Cardinals threw his way twice. They attempted 41 pass attempts. Wow. They threw his way twice. He gave up zero receptions. I'm against Carolina, over Amari. against Carolina, <laughs> they threw it at him 13 times. That was the Andy Dalton game when he threw 56 passes. They yeah. threw it 13 times. 
He allowed five receptions for 31 yards. 13 targets, five receptions. His seven combined interceptions and pass breakups this year, it's third in the NFL. This dude's really good already, and I cannot wait to see him versus Amari Cooper. That is must-see TV in my mind. It is going to be a good matchup. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That might be the matchup of the game now that you think about it. Because we know that with Amar- without Amari Cooper, the Browns receivers are, have been pretty anemic. Yeah. And if they've got a shutdown <clears throat> corner and it looks like that's exactly what they have here in Witherspoon, um, hell, some offensive coordinators just decide when corners are this good, okay, so we're not throwing to his quad. We're not throwing to yeah. his side of the field. Uh, we haven't seen a guy like that in a while right. in the league, but he seems to be trajectory going to that spot. That's crazy. I, I want to see how good he is when it's second and two. Ain't no corner good at second and two. You could get run. You could get pass. You could get play action. You could get screen. You could get a lot. You could get draw. Listen, the Browns, hey, you know what's great? I love the fact that the Browns' offensive passing game is so hamstrung that I don't even have to worry about it. <laughs> I don't got to worry. I don't got to rack my mind about who getting yards or whatever. It's, we, they need to be running rudimentary plays and keeping this team on the field as long as possible with sustained drives. That's the, that's the, the way you win this game, and that's pretty much, to me, the only path to winning this game. It's time of possession, winning turnovers, and you got to punch. You got to get seven instead of threes. They really need a, cl- a clean turnover-free game. Yes. And they haven't had they one do. all year. This yes. has, to be, has to be clean. On the road in that environment. You have got to hold on to the ball and not turn it over. Where do the Browns rank in terms of turnovers? Not turnover margin, Mike, but just turnovers. I can tell you, oh, Steve, they, real quick. If we go to uh, 63, if you go to 63, we have yeah. those stats. And Steve will pull it up. He'll take it full so They've we can see. Very they have 14 giveaways on the season, which, according to ESPN, if you sort that by most turnovers in the NFL, that would put the Browns. Also, this is bad job at ESPN. They don't put numbers next to their rankings, so I have oh, to count. Terrible. So I apologize for counting on the air. But the most giveaways in the league, uh, well, it's easy. It's second, second most. That was easy to count. I think you can uh, click on the stat and then yeah. it re it, it sorts it, but like it, them. It's easy when they're 31st. Yeah, yeah. But if they're well, in the who's middle. Who's the only team that's had more turnovers? The Raiders with 15. So they're second worst in the league. And let's yeah. face it, we've had a couple of balls that. <laughs> well, I'm sure everybody. And everybody has. probably yeah, has, you but you can't be fast and loose with the ball. Like I this, mean, this game is going to be like like the two things that will kill you: turnover and holding penalties am- on big plays. It's amazing. Like you think about this, the Browns are four and two. They've gotten the worst quarterback play in the league, and they've the second most turnovers, and yet they're somehow four and two. It's a defense. It's a miracle. But it, it wasn't last week. Last week, the defense got no, what turnovers. No, but what, what was so impressive about last week is yeah. they knew they had to step up in other, in other areas because they were giving up so many points. And yeah. that last drive, man, it, 
I, when people say that's it, yeah. when people say it wasn't the defense. Oh no, it was the defense. They still got a defensive. You score. still got Miles Garrett. Yeah. yeah, you still got. Right, but the defense didn't play great last week. Right, it wasn't. Yeah. They made no, big plays, but yeah. they didn't play great. Miles made one play that took three points off the board for them, and another play that put seven points on the board. That's a ten-point swing. I hear you. You still so, have thirty-eight points to the Colts. Right. The, the, you know. You know. It's kind of like the bend but don't break. Like they, well, that's not Ben that don't break. No, here's what. No, not not that. Yeah. What I'm saying is they gave up a lot of points, but it wasn't enough to break them. They the offense surprisingly stood up and did enough. Yeah, I mean, but you know, how are they gonna? The reason that this game is a is a bad matchup for me is because that was a friendly crowd that they were playing. Yeah, there were a lot of Browns fans in Indianapolis. Yeah. There's going to be nothing friendly about what happens in Seattle. No. And that's what scares me. It's going to be so hard for them to operate offensively that uh, yeah, with a backup quarterback yeah, and a really good defensive backfield for Seattle. Miles was actually worth two touchdowns. Yeah, he was. You're right. You're because, right. He added another touchdown well, in there. Well, no, he took the three from them, and they got three off the block. Mm-hmm. So that was the Yeah, but didn't lead. he have another – didn't he force two tur- turnovers? He did. He did. And what happened on the other one? I don't remember. The one was they, in the end zone. So there's they, he took tough. three away, added three is six. The end zone is thirteen. The strip sack in the end zone. Yes, ultimately is they won the it's game. Just, I'm just replaying defense it. and the kicker. I'm just replaying it. But the it defense in my head. didn't play great. It's one, no, of the best, it's one of the best individual defensive yeah. performances. Miles is worth thirteen long time. points by himself. He was worth thirteen points. He's going to have to do that again. And then the kicker got fifth. Uh, what eighteen, including extra points. So they got mo. It was between yeah. the kicker and Miles yeah. Garrett. That was the, the offense. Yeah, <laughs> did just enough to win. Yeah. Speaking of the offense, and we talked about Jed Wills earlier. Well, there have been two unsung heroes on this offensive line the last couple weeks. I want to give a shout out to real quick. In the last three games, Ethan Pochich, the center, has had 92 pass blocking snaps. He's given up zero pressures and zero wow. sacks. Wow. Dewan Jones in those same times, man, three games, 123 pass blocking snaps, four pressures, just one sack. You combine those two together. That is 215 opportunities to allow a pressure and nor a sack. They, those two have combined to allow four pressures and one sack and 215. They have been That's the unsung nuts. heroes on the offensive line. They deserve a little bit of kudos. Shout out Bill Callahan for what too. they've done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and DeWan still has some work to do in the run game. But, you know, I talked all year, all summer about it was maturity issues. And, and that is what allowed him to or what forced him to fall as far as he did. Hey, credit to him, man, yeah. for putting yeah. in the work and for coming as far as he has, as fast as he has. The pass blocking obviously is is there. It's it, he does it at a high level. He knows his assignments now. You know we talked about how much Wyatt had to sort of babysit him early on. I don't notice that nearly as much during these games anymore. He's really come a long way. This just project him out five years, guys. When none of this is coming at him at warp speed anymore, where yeah. he's familiar with all the blocking schemes, pass and run. Yeah, he gets more confidence, probably stronger. This this pick might end up being one of those picks just like we talked about Puka Nakua like when you can hit on a guy late in the draft Jay Emerson it can right it can erase the fact that you gave up three number ones right because he's playing like a much higher draft pick right now absolutely and Emerson is a fourth round rookie so if he still has to get better in the run blocking and maybe that's his size you know I, I I don't know but right you would know is it is he's such a massive man and it's such a different Run blocking to pass blocking, mm-hmm. pass blocking. He's there. Yeah. Run blocking. He's got to get better. Yeah. Right. But by the way, in the in uh, the PFF grades, out of uh, let's see how many total guys out of seventy four eligible tackles, he's twenty first in pass blocking. 
It's crazy. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Really good. I mean, he's been excellent. You can't ask for more than he's done as a rookie. Nope. Mm-hmm. He's a home that, run pick. That he did 100% Christmas. of what you could ask for and then about 10,000% on top. <laughs> All right, next up, we keep talking about the Seattle crowd, and there's a good reason. The Lumen Field advantage, the Quest Field as it used to be, the 12th man, is legit. This stadium, which has had a bunch of names, currently holds two world records for the loudest outdoor stadium at two different individual events. It Does it really? It 137.6 decibels, which, according to Wikipedia, and I'm not an ear doctor or whatever, is like someone shooting a gun in your ear. It's the same sound at that. So this is a very loud stadium. In week three against Carolina – with Andy Dalton at quarterback. It's not a rookie. With Andy Dalton. Ooh, why would you blame eight. Andy Dalton? It's the offensive line's fault. Well, I'm he's just saying, saying it's not a rookie better. quarterback. They had eight false starts. That's the most false starts caused in any stadium wow. since 2011 with the Bears. The last time the Browns won in Seattle was 1989. Do you know who the quarterback was? Bernie Kosar. Who's coming up in our 1230. And by the way, you know who was born in 1989? Taylor Swift. He's and right. Bernie and Taylor were hanging out. Her new album is being re-released. Anybody know the title of it? 1989. 1989. Good job. Yeah. I just saw that on social media this yeah, morning. Good job. So Talking point being, it's going to be a crazy crowd, and it's going to be a impediment, not impediment, imperative for P.J. Walker and Kevin Stefanski to be on the same page. God, imagine that, guys, that offense. A gun going off in your ear is the same decibel Right level? next to your ear, yeah. I mean, this that's is... according to Wikipedia. That is, that is a Wikipedia stat. So <coughs> I'm right. giving you all my, site, my uh, sources, my cited sources. I'm glad you did because I, I wonder where down. like they take the reading from because it can't be as loud on the field as it is in the crowd. I don't know. Maybe oh. there's multiple meters and they oh. average it. When you like listen, you go to some of these college states, college stadiums. It's, yeah, it's loud on the field. Yeah. You, can't, you, like can't, A&M. you can't hear nothing. And yeah. a- A&M was one of the loudest that I've ever heard. And, I'm, I'm, you know, I used to work on the sideline shooting the game. I know. Well, you could hear. You should wear earplugs. You did you wear earplugs? We do, yeah. yeah. no, they give we them do. out. Yeah. I, they used to give them out. I don't know if they still do. And they shoot the cannon on the field, and that was the worst when yeah. A&M would score. Well, it scares the hell out of you. Earplugs were a necessity if you're shooting on the field. Yeah, and you, yeah, and you, LSU was the same way. Yeah, LSU uh, at the, night is different. The yeah, swamp, we, some uh, of those, the, the swamp, swamp was like that. Crazy. You know what's loud? Rocky Top was awful, by the way. I had to leave. I was taking my son and I left. We went a couple of years ago. He was young. We went to see monster trucks at the queue. Yeah, oh, loud. yeah. Those yeah. Things wow. So loud. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, and, you know, Mikey, the crazy thing about this game. I didn't have you look as a monster it, truck guy, by the way. Not at all, but yeah. he was interested in going. So I told you on everything. When you when you look at the the tackles that you have, that's the biggest thing. Is is when you're trying to play a conservative game, you're trying to stay above the sticks. The things that kill you are the the play came in late. They got to get the plays in quicker. You can't wait to three, four, two, one. And make, no, no, right. no substitutions. You can't have holding. Like if you got holding penalties or false start penalties, that's your second and five, you're yep. and you're you're done. You're cooked if you get one penalty. So a lot of the crowd noise causes these penalties, and it's it's just difficult to to really play a game where you got a quarterback who needs to stay above the sticks. That's going to be a big part of this game. And yeah. that that fan base is smart, and they know it's a rookie quarterback, and they know that they need to bring extra noise. Not a because, rookie quarterback. Well, an inexperienced quarterback. Yeah. To me, yeah. he's yeah. a rookie yeah. quarterback. All right, last Sorry. stat here, guys. And, G, you just talked about the tackles. This is interesting. We talk about Seattle having a really good pass rush, and they sacked the Giants yeah. quarterbacks 11 times in that game. Right now they rank second in the NFL in sacks per game with 3.8. Now, I know you can't take a game out of the equation, but just 
for comparison's sake, I, I wanted to know what that number would be like if you took the 11 sacks out against the Giants, and it drops down to 2.4 sacks per game, which is 19th in the NFL. That number 19 is way more indicative of the pressures the quarterback hits and the quarterback knockdown Seattle gets throughout the entire NFL. They are 21st in the league in QB hurry rate and 16th in overall pressure rate despite ranking second in total sacks or sacks per game because of that Giants game. So it is a yeah. good pass rush, and I totally but understand Mike, you can't take one can't game take out of the If you took every team's but, best game out, then where are the rankings? I know I, that I their totally, best game was far superior I than totally anybody else. I totally get else's. that. I'm just saying if you yeah. take the one – because they had 0, 2, 3, 4, 2, and 11. Yeah, 11 is so, so outrageous. One is yeah. a little oh, it's, out of it's the so equation. Ridiculous. I think a more thing, better thing would be to like cut it in half or something like that. You know, Where would they rank? Well, I could half? do that right now. So if that cuts in half, that yeah. goes 11 to... Go 5.5. So they would average 2.7, which would be 14th in the NFL. So middle of the pack, which lines up with their pressure rate, their QB knockdown rate, and their QB hit rate. So essentially what I'm saying is they are a good pass rush. They do generate pressure. They do not generate pressure at the rate that the second team yeah. sacks per game would is, indicate. Is the pressure rate in, that you have there including the Giants game? It is, yes. Okay. I wa- you watched the Giants game. I watched I did. it. Most people did. It was to the point where you just knew before the play started it was going to be a sack. Well, what was funny is at the, the Giants' O-line played just, better since then. They have. With yeah. Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, yeah, wasn't Warburton that the last Daniel Jones game? No, Jones played one more. But, Who was oh. the left tackle for the Giants? Uh, well, he's not playing anymore. No, I know. He, but he was. Yeah, in I've Seattle. erased his name from my memory. <laughs> You're smart to do so because it, they were showing the isolations of his one-on-one on all of the sacks. And I think his family probably had to turn the channel. <laughs> That's how bad it was. It was so embarrassingly bad. There was a Steelers offensive lineman that graded out this year at Dan 3.4. Moore, right? Yeah. I, I I can't imagine what was that guy's PFF I'll grade that week. I don't know. I'll look it up right now. I mean, he gave up one after another. It reminded me of the Steelers and James Hudson from a couple of years yeah. ago when they just were giving him no chip yeah. help. Yeah. He was out there on an island by himself, and they just kept running the same thing. That's what the, the, the Giants were doing against the Seahawks. They, the Browns have to run play action. And I'm going to tell you, like all year, you go back and watch these all-22s, the Browns have one of the worst times in the world passing off like just regular stunts so you somebody two guys will follow one guy and the other guy comes loose they don't communicate one guy takes a guy you thought you get your man had him he comes loose and pj walker struggles consistently when they, they they do the mug technique the mug technique is just basically everybody's at the line of scrimmage before the uh before the snap and at the snap, somebody, some they guys come and drop out. Yep. So he's going to have to diagnose that, and they're going to have pressures where they're moving around and stunting with the defense alignment. And they're going to see that a lot. And they're going to see they're going to see that every third down. And I, I think in this game, Kevin Stefanski can't be going can't be going five wide. I, he just can't do it. I, they they don't have the tackles to keep up with that pressure. It's going to be hard to hear silent snap counts and different things like that. And P.J. Walker doesn't diagnose the plays quick enough to understand, okay, the pressure's coming from here, I'm going to go right where he left. 
He's just not able to do that at this point. So they got to find some ways to be able to throw the football and still protect a little bit. Yeah, it could be tough. We're going to read some Super Chats here, and today's Super Chats are brought to us by Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. Five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use, giving you peace of mind. So you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have that medication in hand. And it's simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation, a licensed pharmacy medication delivery, and ongoing consultation and care so don't get caught unprepared get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using promo code locked on at jacemedical.com that is j-a-s-e medical.com real quick we only got three super chats and then we're going to send everybody off to the WKYC note on a high note 30 seconds on why the Browns are going to beat the Seahawks this week but first M. Vine says Haslam has a responsibility in this situation Dontavius Winston said why did the Browns give up on DTR so fast he was put in an impossible situation against arguably the best team in the NFL DTR should be starting. He's 100% better than PJ. Uh, Rakisan1187 says, put Denzel on Lockett, MJ on DK. I'm I'm assuming they're going to switch up matchups. They They don't really have Denzel follow anybody. And Hyperfrosty, send us your email. We're going to send you our our finals. Guys, we have three minutes for a little sunshine and rainbow. So 30 seconds each. Let's go around the horn. Why should the Browns and their fans feel good about this game on Sunday? Well, you should feel good because the Browns are four and two. And even if you lose, you're still four and three and you got Arizona next week. And I think even with PJ Walker or DTR or whoever, they'll beat Arizona at home. So I'm very confident that worst case scenario, the Browns are going to be five and three. I'm hopeful they're going to make a move at quarterback. Uh, in terms of this game specifically, they're only, listen, they're only a three and a half point dog. It's a tough place to play on the road. I'm not going to lie. I'm leaning towards the Seahawks winning this game, but the Browns could definitely win this game. It's con- it's close enough to a toss-up. I mean, you get three points for home field, right? So yeah. uh, Vegas thinks these are even teams. FanDuel thinks these are even teams. The, if the Browns can get back to the defense we've seen for most of the year, locking down that running game, just being totally disruptive, then then they'll have a chance to win this game. That's it. Don't turn the ball over. Yeah, it's an NFC game, so the importance – diminishes a little bit it's not that big of a deal if you lose this it won't kill you in the AFC in terms of tiebreakers and all that and more importantly this is a team that's starting to play with a little bit of a swagger and they've won the last two weeks even though they haven't played at their best but there's a confidence in there that in the past it was always they're going to find a way to lose the game well the players are starting to believe they're going to find a way to win the game and yeah they got bailed out a little bit by the officials but you know I was talking to guys in the locker room after the game and felt like, we just beat San Francisco. Why can't we go to Seattle and, be, and, right. and win at Seattle? So, I, do I, personally, do I think they're going to win? No, I don't. But I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. And certainly, there's still reasons for optimism. Well, listen, just go look at uh, what Jim Shorts did after the Ravens game. Ravens game didn't do too much. Uh, they looked vulnerable on the run and vulnerable, vulnerable on the ground. But guess what they did? They corrected it. They got to the San Francisco 49ers, and they played one of the best defensive games this year in the NFL. And they had know that they could play up to that level and have that same type of, uh, of, of turnover process and same type of energy on defense. They could beat Seattle at Seattle, and I think the Browns have a good chance. It's not, not a blowout. They got a chance to win this game. All right, for me, it's defense, and that's pretty much it. You know, I think when you've got this kind of a defense that played as well as they did against San Francisco – They're going to have to find a way to do that again. Seattle's not as good as San Francisco. I understand that this one's on the road in a real difficult environment, but like Bull said, not that you ever look at it going into the game as house money, but they're 4-2. and Even if they lose this one, you've got Arizona upcoming. We're going over to Channel 3. That's where we'll give our pre-written headlines and our predictions for Sunday's game against Seattle. We'll see you there.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.